Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome to Fly Cool Shit, episode 31. Jeffrey P., what's up, dude? Dude, I'm eating snow cones and Jameson right now. I mean, Jameson flavored snow cones. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm jelly. You should be. I mean, and I got the shaved type of uh, snow cones, none of that beaded bullshit. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how, like, you gotta go home. I, remember, I remember as a kid, you get these snow cones from some, like, you know, you're friends with some kid in like elementary school. You go to a party and you show up and they'd have this like quarter inch type ice snow cone crap with some, you know, jerry rigged syrup on it. And the thing would harden up altogether. Like I want, oh. I want some Californian <laughs> Mark Pollard Hawaiian shaved snow cone. That's what I want. I don't want this shit. Come on, Jack. I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm a hundred percent with you. You got to get that Hawaiian shaved ice, dude. That's that's the only way to go. Yeah. Oh, hands down. I'm just so Sounds excited. So good right now. I hope that everybody can hear the excitement in my voice. I mean, what a night I've had. I mean, I just celebrated my father-in-law's 69th birthday. Had a uh, delicious meal. Had nice seared tuna. Mm. Ooh. And a, uh, and then him and I, we have a special bond. We shared a uh, porterhouse for three. Delicious. Damn. Delicious. And they give you that hot plate. You sear the steak a little bit on the side. Mm, get that grizzly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, know fat, you know how fat I am. You know how fat I am. <laughs> Dude. <sighs> I love it. I was telling somebody I want like somebody like was helping us out looking at a, a new house we're potentially buying. And he and uh, I was like, dude, what what can we pay you? Because he's like a contractor and like was like really looking at the house for us before we put an offer in. He's like, no, 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 no. I was like, okay, can I take you out to a nice dinner? Like, can I take you and your wife out to a nice dinner? He's like, you don't have to. I was like, listen, this is more for me than it is for you. I want to go eat something fucking disgusting. Like, can I take you out to a nice dinner? Like, can we go get steak? He's like, all right. Yeah. I want to feel my <laughs> I want to feel my arteries getting clogged. That's where I want to take you. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does you ever get to that point where like, you know, and I I hate asking for favors. I honestly do. I hate asking for favors. I I want to give everything I can to people. I and I truly mean that. I'll give the shirt off my back as cliché as it sounds. But you ever get to a point where somebody does you a favor and it's not nor it's not I'm not used to people doing me favors. Um and you want to reciprocate where right? you know, you want to give them money or you want to try to do something and they say no. And it's, it gets so uncomfortable because I won't let up. I'll just keep going. Like, no, take the money, take the money, take the money. Yeah. And we're like, no, we're going to, and they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, we have to be even like, I can't owe anybody. I just, I can't. And it gets, it drives my wife nuts, dude, because like, I like, maybe it's the only child in me. Like uh, she has a sibling. And so she's used to like sharing and asking for help and, and ha- kind of doing these things. Whereas I'm like, if I needed help, like, there was nobody I could just ask for free. So it was, it was always like, Hey, can you do this for me? And like my currency would be like, either I'll, I'll, I'll reciprocate or pay you or, or do whatever. And I don't like to burden people. So if I'm asking somebody for something, best believe it's, I, it's with the intention last of resort. like total last resort. So you've made your own bones though, with like aerobatics and getting your own airplane. Like you've worked for it. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, like whatever little I have, which is not much. I mean, it's a share of an airplane, which I mean, it's it's amazing. It's more than so many people have. And I'm I'm so thankful. Like literally every day I look at that airplane. I'm like, holy fucking shit. I can't believe I get to just like diaper the bugs off that thing. And then I get to fly it sometimes. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's so We should do a podcast yeah, on that. And not the, not anything against, you know, obviously, like if you're in a position, totally get it. Like and there's nothing to say to like nobody's a spoiler bride. I get it. Um, but there's just something about. Um, you know, when you fucking work your tahonies off and you're able to get something, you know, it's, I don't know. I've never been in a position where somebody kind of like handed me a, handed me something like, uh, that valuable and I've just used it. Um, yeah. not saying I wouldn't, not saying I wouldn't take it. Don't get me wrong. And, and not saying that no, like, I've never had that kind of opportunity, but yeah. like, you know, like literally I've, you know, I used to have some of the companies I had that's just fucking the, the shit I used to do to make money was just crazy. Um, and let me ask you this. Our guest, how many corns do you think he's husked? If I had to guess, well, let's see. There's 300. Is that a saying? Corns husked? Husked? There's husked. <laughs> roasted. Roasted. Got me muted. Um, I love, I love that you and I, I love that. Like, I'm so, by the way, I'm so fucking hammered right now, um, on Jameson and like, it's already five minutes and our guest hasn't even said a word, this is, which just proves that this podcast is so fucking amateur. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say at least 250,000 corn or cornet, cornet. So far, <laughs> where did that come from? A quarter million corns husked. Husks. <laughs> You guys got me muted or something? Holy crap. <laughs> Aaron yeah. McCartan's on the podcast, dude. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. This is going to be fun. Are you so happy? I can't wait. Here? I'm so excited. Yeah, he man. This, is this decision. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. I, I, you I was regretting this decision before I got on. I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll just throw it in. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Pre-regret yeah. is a thing. You know, the worst thing ever, I've got a couple of uh, people I'm working with, getting them into the sport, teaching them pits transitions, doing some base aerobatic. These folks are a ton of fun to work with. And a lot of them have discovered this podcast. So I've got this one, he's a college student down at Iowa State University. And uh, he said, oh my God, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard. He said, man, it, it, it'd be great if you'd get on there sometime. I'm like, oh God, the mic's sitting on my desk. I got to do this now, don't I? Jesus. You know, Mark, that oh, I'm so that glad. You, you and I have to get some headshots and start autographing some shit and sending it out. We're famous. <laughs> you guys should. I mean, you've got the image with it. You've got the cool, epic 70s porno throwback logo. You I may as well. In, I want to be in a cowboy it. hat. I want to Photoshop some abs on me and some denim jeans. That's right. That's the Let's look I want to get. Brokeback and Let's do this. Totally. Yeah. Hundred percent. Broke back Petro. Broke back Petro. We're doing it, man. We we gotta at least make some swag. Like we we are getting to the point where people are. I mean, it's weird to do something and then get a lot of feedback on it. It's been great, and keep the feedback coming. But it's you know, just weird. Mark, like it's so funny you say that. We um. I'm sorry. Uh, our special guest Aaron, you're gonna take a sideline to this. <laughs> you have <laughs> you have to talk about this whole. Issue. We told. I was listening to. We so listeners out there listening. We listen to our podcast just to see what kind of amateurs we are. And I totally forgot that we skipped over the part where you flew into a um you flew into some airspace and the tower guy recognized you. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That okay, was so cool. Side so let's just get through this really quick, as quick as you can. So take us through us. Like before you had the boner and then <laughs> after. 
So pre, during, and post boner yes. is what you, you're kind of looking for? All right. Yeah. And then the rattlesnake's um, at the end. Or is the rattlesnake in the beginning? Gosh, was that the same flight? <laughs> I don't even remember. So much just highs and lows. That's what that's what we're talking about here is highs snow and lows. Cones, snow cones and lows. Snow cones and lows. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the uh, uh, fucking pulling G's and uh, chicken wings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm coming. I, I don't know if I I don't. It wasn't a solo flight. So I was either doing a training flight with one of the co-owners or um, an aerobatic flight or something, and um, just ca- calling in range. You know, got the ATIS and calling out, you know, uh, five or six miles out. And, uh, once I got the clearance to land, somebody just goes fly cool stuff. Oh my God. I was like, what's up? Like, uh, that, so that's pretty cool. You know, when you start getting that kind of stuff, you know, dude, you, you have know. to be, I'm literally like giggling right now. This that's fucking amazing. That, that really is. That is awesome recognition. And I mean, that is just fantastic that somebody would and take the moment just to say it. I mean, they're a fan. That's cool. Yeah, you can build on celebrity. You're a celebrity. It's well, it's nice to get recognized for something. Whatever I've it said is. it, and I've said it out of every. It's it's hysterical, and I mean this in a loving way. But out of <laughs> everybody flying air shows and in aviation, you got sponsored in the middle of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking epic. Uh, Oh man, you sure did. I, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> Do you know how many air show guys hate your guts right now? Like they fucking hate you. Sorry. <laughs> they might be nice to you, but they hate you. I can assure you, they fucking hate you. They told me. Well, I don't know how many of them. They told me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I can I can I know who's I know who's coming after me. Yeah, right. anybody, I, I could probably mention my name. I gotta throw this out there. Either you guys watch that Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. I've been, it's, the, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And every one of those yeah. drivers, when they go in their homes, they have this whole like bookshelf with all the helmets from the karting to the formula days to up to Formula One and all their sponsors and stuff. I just low key picture that that's the bookshelf in Pollard's house right now. Oh, Got like, okay, here's the old bonehead I had one time. Here's like three <laughs> generations of the lift and... Man, I just I just picture that like walk in Pollard's house and here's the shrine of the helmets. If you here's, here's one Pollard's that I wore house. on a Sunday once. Yeah, if you walk in Pollard's house, you'll you'll walk into a luscious like foyer, and then or foyer, and then you'll make a left. You'll go to you'll see like a nice mantle and a fireplace, and then you'll see like five year old bicycle helmet, ten year old BMX helmet. <laughs> then you'll see then you'll see his daughter his kids umbilical cords. Then you'll go right to lift. No, no, sorry, they'll go right, right to, to lift. Bonehead. Right to lift. Bonehead, right to lift. Left to bonehead. bonehead, and he'll have a piece of shit on it because he hates bonehead. He won't admit it, but he hates bonehead. And then lift, 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 lift. <laughs> I feel like that's why you didn't get a visor because they're like, oh, Mark hates lift or I hates bonehead. I don't hate bonehead. Josh, there's a there's my cancel list is growing and. I might be canceled because of it. I have a huge cancel list and maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the common denominator. I'm the problem. That's true. That might well, be true. How could a company not give an $80 visor out to try and review? What the fuck did I do to not get an $80 visor? Or what What did we not do right to get an $80 visor to review? Like, how pathetic are we? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I have, I've been honest at how I've felt about Bonehead. I don't think it's as comfortable with a helmet. There, I said it. I don't, I mean, it, it, I don't. It's not. I, I flat out don't. 
Because of an $80 visor, I'm so excited to work with Todd and get something out here to try. And I hope I love it because I will cancel the shit out of Bonehead. <laughs> I mean, I, I so I, I won't be like it too. I, yeah, I, I'm no. praying that it is everything it is. I won't lie. I won't just make it up because I got a fucking like little thorn in my side over a visor. Don't get me wrong. But like if it's a good helmet, I will up talk the shit out of that helmet. Man, that's how I it's done. I like it. That's how it's done. Yeah. Good product. Speaking good work, of which, man. Aaron, why don't you? That's, wear what, a that's all I did. That's why all I Aaron did. Wear, let's Mark. Let's get right into this. Why doesn't Aaron wear a helmet? So Aaron, well, I think that's changing. It well, it is changing. So I wore no a helmet shit. the whole time. I yeah, seriously. Um, I actually have some email exchanges with Todd, and I'm going to try and uh, we've been trying to circle on a call this week. But um, I, Pollard's going to criticize my choice. But when it was available, and when I had the headspace in the pits. I had an HGU 55 and I had the Kevlar one and I had, you know, the ANR and all that good stuff. And I still have the helmet. It does. I don't have the head clearance in the panzel for a helmet Yeah. in the SC. I've got a little more clearance, but I need to adjust the seat a little bit to make sure I don't gouge the crap out of it. Make sure the belts are tight, but I want that protection. I do. Yeah. My chapter president, uh, actually the, uh, so Justin Hickson, who's been on here, the chapter president before him, had a whole bunch of horror stories and he just said guys you need that protection you need a helmet and you know we talk about like jesse panzer out of nebraska you know she had a radio break loose in the cockpit the locking paw let loose it came up yeah popped her canopy gave her a heck of a black eye i mean broke his automatic i mean that's no joke no no and that's and what you, that's yeah, what it's going to be it's not going to be bailing out it's going to be something like that yeah, yeah. And and i've, I've said it two times on this podcast that two of my very close friends and I can't say their names because it's their story to tell, but it's a hundred percent fact that they'd be dead right now if they didn't have a helmet. It's a hundred percent. So like all this, uh, like, you know, and Mark and, you know, Mark put it perfectly. Like, why do you wear a parachute? Like the odds of you using a parachute versus needing a helmet are outweigh a hundred. Like, it's just ridiculous. And it's, everything's good until it's not. And why not limit your risk? Why yeah. not? Exactly. You know, the parachute thing, um, I've got a rigger and this guy almost be worth, he gets about half drunk by two in the afternoon sometimes. Makes me wonder <laughs> about packing my parachute. But anyways. I was going to so, say, hopefully yeah, he packs it at 9 a.m. <laughs> I, I hope he packed it in the morning. No, I give him a hard time, but this guy's kind of been there, done that. I mean, he's warbirds and aerobatic and everything else. He's owned a bunch of one-off birds. And he was talking, I, when I first got into this sport, I asked him, I said, have you ever jumped in one of these emergency shoots? He says, no. He says, I wouldn't use my last option first. I thought, well, okay, cute sales pitch. Have any of your clients ever used it? He says, no. But he says, I know of at least two that were found in the wreckage still wearing it because they didn't have the common sense to step out and use that option. Oh, you, know, you know, that'd be, that's yeah. kind of gritty. And I've got the story. Again, that's one of those, it's his story to tell deals. But, you know, Again, in the conditions, one of them, there was a there was a canopy failure. Canopy came back, we believe, knocked him unconscious. That's what got Marta Meyer, one of our unlimited pilots. Oh. And I how mean, many oh, really? how many canopies falling off, knocking people in the head have killed? Oh, I yeah. know, I know one person that would be dead because of it, and I know two people that. Well, it's kind of speaking out of turn, but ninety percent chance that that's probably what caused them to die. Well, both yeah. you guys have flown the S two pits. You ever look at that crossbar right ahead of you and think, boy, if that oh, thing yeah. unlatches and comes back, it's going to get ugly. That, that canopy framing, yeah. All that has to do, all that canopy has to do is slide, is have the uh -huh. stops fail and slide straight back. Yep. It's going to take your. I mean, in my in my case, it 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 
probably would hit me right mid-span in the nose. Yeah. And then slide up. I mean, yep. it was right there. Um, the, the, and you know what? The, S2B, uh, the S2C was really what prompted me to get a helmet in the first place. Um, I, had that, I had that canopy come off twice in my hand where like I, I unlock it, you know, roll it back or, you know, pull it, pull it back, open it up. And the, and the thing just came off the, the little Darlin, you know, bushings in there. Uh, and the, and the track were all worn out. And I'm like, you know, what's, what's to stop that, that, you know, if that has a weak over that locking mechanism has a weak over center and, um, just, you know, pops out or something, you, you somebody hits it, you're done, dude. You are and done. Finished. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. Get, it's going to get bad in a hurry. Um, yeah, and I think about a lot of these airplanes, like the extra included. You know, as much as in, you know, as much engineering and and as much as Walter Extra has gotten right, which has been a ton. Obviously, we're all extra fans. Um, you know, these canopy mechanisms on on just pick an unlimited air, pick, pick an aerobatic airplane in general. Any, yeah. The theory of how they egress is so great on paper, um, but yeah, the reality is, is like. Pressure differentials, you know, uh, Kirby Chambliss is a perfect example where his oh. failed and slammed right back down so hard that if if he had tried to egress um, and had been in. out of the seat, I mean, that, that would have been real bad. Oh, it would have been a bad day. 100%. Bad day. So, I, I mean, I think about that a lot in the extra. It's like, okay, cool. This little nylon strap supposed to take it away at an angle which it's supposed to not hit the tail. Hopefully that happens, but it probably won't. But let's hope it. Let's hope it just goes like it's supposed to. But it probably won't. So, um, Aaron, you're you're going to yeah. a helmet. I'm going to a helmet. Um, Good for you, dude. So I was, uh, so you know, I was looking on. at I was looking at low clearance, and I've been weighing <laughs> options. And, 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 and seriously, it's just it it I, size of my head, and I'm long torso. I'm a tall guy, so you know clearance is the issue for me. But um, I've been looking at the MSA Galley. I looked at the Bonehead looking at the lift, you know, the lift appears to be the most comfortable option. They've now got that ANR kit with CEP on them. Like I said, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seriously shopping and, uh, um, which I just did the first flight on that new setup, by the way, how that uh, worked yesterday. Let's talk about this. So, um, there are some growing pains that both tiger and lift are aware of, and it's in work to being fixed. So by the time you even order one, it'll, it will be fixed. Are you breaking um, the steel? A little sperm coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus well, Christ. We just went there. Um, no, it's um, it's good. So uh, overall, it's it's good. Um, there's just a couple bugs to work out um, with the way they did the ear cups. They're changing the ear cups setup. Um, What's so everybody that's ordered one is they 3D printed them oh, and they no. thought that the material would be – they're really nice. The system is fantastic looking. Um, they thought that the 3D printed ear cup, like the whatever – I don't know if it's nylon or whatever material that they're using to 3D print would, would be a, have enough – um, passive attenuation to, to, you know, kind of suppress a lot of the outside noise. It mm -hmm. just lets too much noise in and it overpowers the ANR a little bit. So the ANR kind of mm -hmm. works double time. Uh, um, so yeah. they're, they're switching to carbon fiber ear cups. Um, Breaks the seal. It's not going to be Breaks an issue. I knew it. Yeah. So, um, so in, in short, I like it. Um, and it's nice to listen to, you know, it's nice to have kind of a, a nice modular, easy light and it's light it's much lighter than the active headsets um setups that i have which is really cool so hopefully the clearance works out for you on that lift helmet and yeah and you can you can make it work because yeah I'm, I'm just i'm still blown away at how comfortable this freaking helmet is man every time i put one on i'm like this is this is pretty wild for a, a flight helmet. right i hope uh i hope todd and i can whatchamacallit uh connect and uh get one out to the east coast and and let me try it um 
Well, if I, they don't, I, I have I have a large I can send either one of you guys to try. So just let me know. Which one off the collection is that? Is that number three or number 12? I, I don't remember. <laughs> 19, 19. 19, 19. Okay, got it. Yeah, got you it. have to see what I have in stock. All right, all right. What are you drinking right now? I'm drinking Maybe? Napa Cab, dude. I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping it simple. Uh, Petro yeah. still doing his uh, Jameson flavored snow cone. Yes, I got the Jamie. What are you, what are you drinking there, Bubby? Yeah, like I said, got to train up for camp. I got a little vodka ginger ale going here, so, you know. So we should, flavor, little should we, Aaron, should we let the listeners know what happens in Western Kansas? I mean, it's, it's a, as drunk as I am, I still know it's a privilege to go to this camp. It um, is. And, um, every year I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm thankful to get an invitation to come back. Um, which I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's such an underground camp, but overground. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So just the real summary you know. into it a little bit. Yeah. Let me hop into this. So, um, we're working with the great plains aerobatics, which is, you know, John and Linda Morrissey out of Kansas city area. Legends. John had gone for years. He's well, how, how many times is it? Two or three times he went over to Russia, trained with the Russians and he was brought over there one time with Patty another time with Pete Anderson. It had all these really great stories, but he said, the thing we're missing in America is a farm team something where we start building people up to build team aspirants and the Russians start working with you. Once you meet the qualification and up you go mm-hmm. and they have this building block system and it's not showing up at contests and spending money. It's developing skills to expedite the move up and have successful escalations of the category. John basically cloned that idea and he runs it out in the middle of nowhere in Ashland, Kansas and the beauty of it is up until a couple of years ago, there was no cell coverage out there or very little. Oh, I didn't so know I don't that. I've ever heard of Ashland. I don't know that I've ever heard of Kansas. Well, and you okay. Won't, and you won't, Mark. <laughs> and you won't. You're not the good enough in Kansas. Outside of that, the only thing I know about Kansas that's is where Cessna legit comes true. from. I mean, you know, Cessna's built there. That's the rest of it. But, um, but no, for serious, this is out by Dodge City out in the Old West. I mean, it's a cattle drive yeah. town. Three grass runways, a couple rusty hangars. They give us the airport. Just go fly. Do you do what you want? And we're a couple miles out of town and just make noise for a week. And um John structured the camp and it is outstanding. It's by That's invite awesome. only. It's only they start with repeat customers and then they'll only bring in like one or two new people a year. But Jeff, the thing that I'm, you know, it's keeping John young. The thing that's just killing me, do you realize he turns 82 this summer? Really? Yeah. No uh, shit. I thought he was turning like 70 something. You know, I've been like working with him since 2007 and you know, in 2007, he's sitting here talking about his age. I'm going, no way. I mean, and you get in the cockpit and you hear him get like 30 years younger when I was taking duel from him. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. This guy's high energy. Wait, but, Aaron, was your first plane to pits? Yeah. I've had uh, two pitses. So, so you, you first started flying with pitses. You didn't, you didn't do like the uh, cub route or the cathlon route. You just right into the fucking pits. Well, I went, I, I did some aerobatic duel right after I got my private in a super D. Um, I had one available and I always had a thing for the pits. I always thought they looked cool. They looked like fun and, you know, college and career got in the way and I had to, you know, like earn a living and all that other boring stuff. Yeah. You know, but when I finally money. got, a couple, yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> and then, you know, then you become a parent and that just totally turns the game. And then you got priorities yeah. outside Mark of sport. Said it. We call our kids little edge five forties running around the house. Like I have two yes. edge five forties. Oh. Mark's got two edge five forties. Yeah, I got, just running around making uh, noise. I got, well, and, 
My, mine, you got, you my got oldest two, right? older than you. I've, I've got two. Yeah, mine are 16 and five. There's an 11-year gap there. So 16 is about to go to college. So now we're talking like a couple of NGs worth of money here. So that, yep. that, that, info, that infomercial really, you need that to work. I do. <laughs> I can hear Sarah McLaughlin right now. Hello. Anyways. <laughs> Oh my god! We'll get into that later. We'll get into that. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I've watched it four thousand times. Oh man, (laughs) Jeff, how much time did it take for you to make that? That has been a riot. I'll be honest with you, it was. It didn't take long. It took about twenty minutes, but it was the best (laughs) twenty minutes of my life. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't know, Jeff made a video. Poor Aaron has been trying to sell his panzel forever. And so he put a bunch of clips together to Sarah, that Sarah McLaughlin song from like all the like ASPCA, uh, ASPCA commercials. Yeah. Animal, animal cruelty commercials. Yeah. <laughs> For just $10, $10 a month. $10 a day. For 33, 43 years. If you're cold, they're cold. Oh. Dude, keep my head anger. Dude, I can die and go to heaven if you sell your pants off because of that video. That, that is when you know it has gone full circle. If, if a meme can sell an airplane, all bets oh. are off. You know, we always talk about this. The meme lords will inherit the earth. I mean, this is true. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is insane. Oh, my God. And I already had so, a query about it today. After a comment popped up in the comment thread about, and and there were like two or three comments, and oh, do tell. I've been I've been contacted by some people now asking questions about it. It's like, oh my god, this is I love it. I a a meme it. might actually sell an airplane one of these days. This is crazy. I love it. I love it. You know, oh, I'll be honest with you. I think I would put the Panzel performance wise. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little drunk right now, but I would put it in the same performance regime as a Souk 26. Would you agree with that? That's yeah, probably it's fair, pretty, huh? pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you're you're not quite radial versus piston. I get it. Right, right. You're not quite at edge five forty territory, but you're getting pretty close. Right. And, I think um, it can keep. I think it's just on par as a Souk twenty six, and it's in the same price range as a like your Panzer is exceptional. Like the it's the best Panzer in the market, I and I think it's That's one of the best airplane. Plane. Yeah. It, so it, for uh, labor what love. are you selling it for? Well, I'm asking one sixty five on it right now. You should get yeah. every penny. And I think a good yeah. Souk 26 will get 150. So you're pretty much right there. And you're American, you're Lycoming and yeah. American parts. So definitely easy to maintain. Um, and it's an airplane that still, that still can get serviced. I mean, it's, it's. Yeah. So for $165,000 without going up in price, what can beat it? I, I asked the. Well, the, the only thing that. Person singular. You know, well. <laughs> I mean, you've got more thrust and better slow speed than the Giles, and those things are getting outrageously expensive. You need um, a lot of potential energy with the Giles. And unless you get a really hot deal on an Edge 540, you're not, you're, there's nothing really in that class for that kind of money. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. yeah I mean, if so. you get an Edge 540 for 180, you're going to need a motor and you're going to need a lot of maintenance. There's, Probably that's just true. a fact. Yeah, Which is crazy, you know, because you're you're talking about like a V2 or a V. Uh, I don't know if there's any V1s or if they've all or been not, converted or a motor. Works, but. Your airplane's got a, a brand new motor in it, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, just a year ago, I did a major on it, and we, we zero timed it. Um, I think I got like 40 hours on it, just between break in and one camp and some training with it. But yeah, new motor on it, ADSB out. I mean, we've done all the stuff. I did new fabrics a few proven. years ago. It's one advanced yeah. nationals twice. 
Yep. Twice. Intermediate, intermediate once, advanced twice, and then a gold medal at the Worlds. I mean, it's yeah, that's fine. God it's damn, that's cool. Well, so Fucking all right, person. so. Jeff was our warm-up pilot at WAC 2018. I prefer um, the term fluffer, but okay. Fluffer, yeah, yeah. So the fluffiest <laughs> fluffer to ever fluff a man. But anyways, <laughs> AJ's going to love that. Uh, that'll stick. But, but Petroselli was great at that. But, you know, when we were over there having conversations with Nikolai and, you know, we had Nikolai Timofiev as our team trainer. He had flown it as the warm-up pilot one year. He flew uh, Craig Giffords, which at the time was serial number two. And he said, this is probably the best airfoil in the sky for aerobatic. And he says, definitely for advanced level, you know, that like extra oh, little wow. per se. Yeah. I mean, it handles slow speed no, better than everything else. Mark. Even it the really SC, I would imagine the Panzel, that, that, that airplane seems, I would imagine it would probably stay in the box way better than an edge would. Yeah. Well, oh, so, 100%. you know, and the neat thing for me for transitioning between airplanes all the speeds in the Panzel are in miles an hour. All the speeds in the SC are the same number, but they're in knots. So I would yeah. look at the gauge and, you know, stay below 140 for this and stay below 120 for that. No, you know, VNE is even the same. But I mean, you know, it's 15% bigger box when you knock it down to miles an hour. Yeah. You can keep the show right in front of them. And that pencil-like yeah. profile, if it's vertical, there's no denying. That airplane is straight up and down. Let me ask you a question. That is the nice thing about that because profile. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm doing something wrong. And this is purely like a selfish question right now. Go ahead. So I fly, you know, I'm I'm, I'm dabbling in Unlimited, um, you know, hopefully make the move in the next year or two. You're, a, you're an unbelievable Unlimited pilot, but you've flown advanced really well. So when I fly my SC, I, I've been like, flying 75% power just because to keep it, not to keep it in the box. I don't think I have an issue keeping it in the box, but just to, you don't need the power and like why work and rush everything. Like, would you, if you were in an SC and in advance, what power setting would you fly at? You know, Ooh, that's, that's the question. same thing. That's a really good question. And so uh, back to, let me tell you what I fly at. Well, yeah, yeah. Cause you're, you're propping it back and then you're regulating manifold or what are you doing? So basically, I've, I um, I'm flying at twenty five hundred RPM, yep. and then I'm setting the I'm flying I'm entering at um, well I entered a box at, at idle and I'm wagging in from like outer space, um, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going like three quarter throttle, which should give me about twenty five twenty six inches. And then throughout the sequence, probably by like midway through the sequence, I'm just I'm not really looking at I'm just you know flying the figures and I'm full full manifold, so whatever that yields me. But the prop is dialed back, you know, yeah. significantly. Well, so uh, so two things. First off, when you roll the prop back off of 2700 or 2750, whatever your governor set to, you're actually making more thrust. You have less horsepower, but you're making more thrust with prop efficiency. So you're actually making, you know, more power that's applied it. to the airframe. Fucking knew it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the maximum efficiency is is somewhere like there there's some formulaic thing you can calculate. Well, and to if find you're, like where it's most efficient. And and you if you want a bunch to of nerds. Well, no. And if you want to prove it, Jeff, easy way to do this. Anybody can do this in an airplane. I've had students do this in decathlons and Christian Eagles and Pitts. If you got a constant speed prop, put her in full flat, go full throttle if you want, or just set a constant manifold pressure, steady altitude, look at your airspeed, back it up 50 RPM, look at your airspeed, it climbs. Yeah, see what happens. Back it up another 50. The thrust is outweighing the loss in horsepower. It, it's kind of like in a car. If you gun it and bust the tires loose and they're squealing, you're not accelerating. You're showing off horsepower, but you're not going anywhere. If the tips go transonic, your efficiency goes out the window. I mean, ah, it's I exactly you. that. So in the SC, same thing, you know, flying unlimited. And I've been training with a, a couple time team member, Craig Gifford, in one of his until I can get a transition, get my own airplane. 
Um, we'll take off, dial it back to about 2,500 for SIVA level unlimited. And even that, we've got some of these sequences when you go up, do like a 45 entry hammerhead with rolls and snaps and crap, and you push up to vertical, and then you've got more rolls, and then roll the power back till it comes off of RPM. And then just before the point of pivot, gun it, pivot it, and then do something going down. It is just insane what that thing can do. It's a very efficient airframe. And I, you know, I understand in conversation, well, in conversations with Holland, like, you know, he's got a very well-tuned MX, you know, the MXS-RH for Rob Holland. You know, it's very much the same thing. I mean, this new generation of stuff is impressive as hell. So, Dude, I mean, it's getting out of control. I got to be honest. Not because, like, I'm making excuses, which I am, of not, <laughs> of not the difficult <laughs> limited is, but it's getting out of control. It's fucking yeah. crazy. I mean, people are literally blowing. Look at what happened. I mean- Getting fucking nosebleeds. People are making fun of me, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, this is an order tooth. But yeah, no, no, dead serious. It's a big thing. You're gonna um, start seeing. I mean, I mean, obviously, we've been seeing the limits of pilots right for a long time, and then the limits keep getting pushed and pushed. We see that with like any athletic sport. Mm-hmm. But like, there is gonna come a time where like the injuries. I mean, how going back to Matt Chapman's episode talking about how he got the wobblies. Like, how many people knew that? Oh, you know, yeah, um, I did not. I mean, it, I, I knew of Wobblies. I did not know his story until I heard that. It was crazy. I didn't either. So it makes you wonder, like, how many people get them? Don't say anything, you know, especially foreign teams, right? Where like the, the stakes are a little higher. Maybe they're, you know, uh, state sponsored teams, things yeah. like that. Where like you, you got it. You're a professional athlete. Like, don't get the fucking you, you got the Wobblies. No, you don't. Yeah. Right. Like, so it makes you kind of wonder how, how much people are really being pushed to their physical limits and not yeah. saying anything. Have it you does. ever gotten it's a wobbly there? I have not, but I've had a few friends that I'm have. Knocking um, on wood. I'm knocking on wood for you. So, so far, <laughs> yeah, too. I'm doing the same. Me um, too. It, it's just, and I, first person that actually explained that to me was Debbie Rand Harvey. She was talking about this at a nationals like 2009 and she talked about what it was like just to land the dang airplane with all that disorientation going on. And I thought, Oh, and, and she said, had I had to do over again, I would have more seriously considered a bailout. I'm going, Oh my gosh. Wow. And and why do we think this is a fun sport? I mean, that's, that is insane. Keep coming back for more. Yeah, we do. And let's talk about the physiological, like what, like, you know, it's it's I I would can only imagine it's you know fluid in the inner ear getting just completely yeah bobbled but like I wonder what other if I any long term effects your, uh, hold on time out let's just go over what you just said <laughs> <laughs> can you repeat that please yeah <laughs> fluid in the inner ear getting bobbled getting bobbled it's in a term. Term. <laughs> Get all that shit that's correct nomenclature I'm basically a doctor. Oh, that's WebMD's definition. Leave him alone. He's, he's on a roll. Yeah, let's keep going. Let's just see where this goes. This is a good rabbit hole here. <laughs> oh, I love it. I fucking love it. I almost spit my wine out. You know, yeah. fluid. That's what causes you know, the wine. You know, the fucking fluid. I had that happen in the shower the other day. I mean, was that bad? I don't know. Where's that the Boston where, ear. Where's that Boston kid that they're explaining in doctor term in Boston term? <laughs> Get the fluid out of your fucking ears. Hey Karen. Hey Karen, I got the fluid in my fucking ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. 
Um, anyway, you were so eloquently saying, Aaron. <laughs> well, no. All right. So, um, you know, not just the fluid in the ear, which is apparently a thing now, but, um, you know, inside your ear canal, you've got those little hairs, little cochlea, and they've got those little crystals on the tips. And those Cilia, things, Cilia, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, but those, those things can break off, scatter around and just cause you to get dizzy as all hell. And that can happen at any snap roll at any time. That right? torsional axis in your head. Yes. Dude. That's what I was just talking about last or two, where, however many fucking podcasts ago. Like it's a ticking time bomb almost. Well, hopefully the bomb doesn't go off, but right. like that's what's whole. I don't want to say holding me back because it's a fucking bullshit excuse. Um, but no, it's not because you don't know the limit. Right. So you, it's scary, dude. True. There, there is no, scary. there is no like pussy excuse or, or wussy excuse or whatever you want to call it. Like you don't know the limit until you found it. There's no like, I'm almost there. I'm going to back off. It's, it's, you're going and then you're done. Like, do you think about this, Aaron? Because you're hardcore and limited right now. I'm like, I'm like, um, what's a kindergarten cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'm him as a teacher going into unlimited. That's me. That's my level right now. Okay. You are like, you are like, I don't know, you're animal house. You're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get, you are get like, into the chopper, like fucking you are commando. Fucking killing predators right now. Fucking sniping people. So one of these, like, really wicked. And for anybody that's on Facebook that's watching, um, one of the team members, Mike Silberti, has been posting some just absolutely torturous sequences. He's, he's a fucking and animal. He is. The dude is a machine, and he is coming up with some really good training exercises. So. I show up on these play days and Gifford comes up and pulls out this sheet and goes, we're going to fly this one. And I looked at it. Oh my God. It had like nine snaps in it or nine or 10 snaps in it. And half of them were to the Jeez. outside. So I went through, smashed through this sequence, realized, boy, this is not fun. And then came back in and did some maintenance on it. And all of a sudden Craig gets me on the radio. He's like, dude, you got to land. You got to, you got to take a break from this. I think I counted and I think you've done like 11 outside flicks. You're done. I'm like, wow. Oh God. Well, then I got in, I landed and got out of the airplane and whew, I was, I was toast. And yeah. the problem I have, I have a somewhat addictive personality. If I get into something, I just kind of keep going for it. So you I need that little voice. Of reason. Competitor. Yeah, well, and that, that's, that makes it good. But that also, I flirt this line all the time where am I bettering myself or am I becoming something ugly? And I always have to check that and. I've had a couple of times where I've had my family members pull aside and say, is this even fun anymore for you? I mean, you know, I have to refocus that once in a while. And that's a constant, like, and I think everybody listening for the two listeners that we have out there, like you got (laughs) to always keep yourself in check. Like, why are you doing this and keep it not keep it fun is like the wrong term because like, yeah, it's fun, but it's obviously a serious sport and we want to take it seriously. But um, like you want to just be realistic in your goals and, you know, whether you're learning to learn how to do a roll, like a quarter roll up on a vertical, which for me was a big, a big, um, uh, what do you call it? Mountain to overcome, um, when I was young and you just gotta be realistic and don't set these unrealistic goals for yourself and, and deter yourself from aerobatics. So just ha- keep it fun and, and realistic. And for me, like moving into unlimited, like I'm on like a three, four year path right now. You've proven yourself very well in advanced. I mean, you've performed well as the fluffer. You've come Has back and, though? well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, what has he really done in advance, you know? <laughs> yeah, what have you done, Jeff? Oh, shoot. Fucking but no, um, I'll summon you know, Brad Randolph on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of have and, – and Jeff, to be honest, when I saw that and I was kind of watching that from the last team camp, that kind of set off a little concern. And now, I granted, you can get blood – you can get a bloody nose from a lot of things. I mean, you can get yeah. from standing up and sitting down too fast. But, <laughs> you know, I just – I got thinking about that and I got – and I, I was worried about you as a friend – and I was thinking, man, how hard are we pushing these guys? Or did Jeff just like pick his nose really hard? I don't know, but it just it was one of those concern things. You know me well enough to yeah. know I'm a nose boogery <laughs> guy. <laughs> Let's make sure none of your restaurant patrons hear this, eh? Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> delicious. It's delicious. I'll make you your I'll make your burrito tomorrow morning. That's what's in the avocado mm. toast you bragged about for years. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, have you thought about that at all though? Like have you thought about that nosebleed or if you get nosebleeds and kind of like that, that implication of like, okay, was that just out? Was, cause I know the allergies there and the winds were horrendous in a uh, union city. So like that, you know, my nose gets dry with allergies. Like that's certainly a contributing factor, but have you thought about that much? Like, have you kind of reflected on like, okay, what, what really caused that? So basically um, I try to keep clean orifices. Um, as disgusting as it sounds, like I always go on, I'm just clean. I just fucking, <laughs> you know, I shower and, um, I, That's I cool. put the uh, Q-tips in the air and I try to, so like when we went into the union city and all this pollen was there, my nose was all fucked up. And then at night in the air conditioned room, it would harden up. And in the morning I picked it. And that morning, one of the mornings I picked it and, you know, I get the boogie out and it picked a little too hard and then it scabbed up. And by the time I flew, when I did a push, it just popped. And then when that scab forms over, it just keeps popping until Wacker gave me a gold mine of advice of putting Neosporin on it. And it solved the whole issue. And, huh. you know, it's one of those self-assessment things where like, obviously if you're gushing blood, you fucking land the plane. Like don't be a moron. Um, but it would like, when I pushed, I would get like a drop of blood and, it wasn't like an emergency. I wouldn't just keep pushing like an idiot. And um, you said the monitor, just don't be stupid. And every, you know, obviously everybody blew it out of proportion, which I was all on board for. I'm all, I'm all good for a good joke. And trust me, like I'll joke with the best of them. Um, but you know, if you're getting nosebleeds every time you push and it's like non, um, what do you call that? Allergy seasons, or you didn't pick your nose right. nosebleed the day before, like you might want to consult a doctor. But like, yeah. honestly, like that, that time and maybe like four or however many years ago, it happened once before in the same circumstance. It happened. Like sometimes it happens. I just picture that scene and I can hear the music right now when he first gets that nosebleed. And I'm, all I'm thinking of is Jeff's face. And so inspiring. It makes me want to run drugs. I know. Let's get an arrow and do it. <laughs> I, I actually know where there's a Piper arrow we can borrow. Let's do this. There, there you go. go. Oh, I love it. Try and outfly a Mustang. This would be great. But, um, <laughs> but you know, back to the negative G thing for a second. So, Jeff, in yours, do you have the mechanical gauge, the accelerometer? <laughs> well, that's a that's a sore subject there. <laughs> okay, so most I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to let you know about that offline. <laughs> okay, well, no, and and so here's the thing. So most of those damn three thirties come with the <laughs> stock mechanical giggling in the background because he knows. <laughs> I'd love to hear that offline. I'm texting you right now, so just keep telling me. Okay. Well, if this distracts from the podcast, that's just bad. No bueno. But no, seriously. No, no. You know, that 
the positive scale goes to 10, the minus scale bottoms out like minus five, six, whatever it is. Six, yeah. Yeah. And that stupid extra gauge. And I have, we're topping that out. Craig put a digital, one of those little GT50s in, which is a great little gym. That's what I've got the Panzel. Put a little GT50 in. And this last weekend, we were doing a lot of pushing. Yeah. I didn't want to know. I'm just going to say that there. We never violated any limitations on an airplane. And, you know, okay, now I got to do my exclusions. You know, no aircraft were harmed in the making of this film. But pushing and seeing that number getting up, you know, in the 8 to 8.5 on the negative side is just insane. And it's like, welcome to Unlimited. Yeah. And I just, oh. that's brutal, man. And so when you jumped from advanced to unlimited, we had Sammy Mason on, made it seem like it was like going from like a slow roll to like a two of two. And <laughs> I'm calling bullshit, not for him because he's an incredible pilot. So maybe for him, like he's uh, Jesus's child of aerobatics. But um, <laughs> I mean, like to me, the, the, the jump, I mean, and I'm not talking to like, you know, for everybody listening, like I'm not talking about going from advanced to limited just to make it through the sequence barely. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making the jump from advanced to unlimited and being competitive. To make the team. Yeah, yeah totally. But being competitive, scoring 75% plus on all three flights. I think yeah. that's a fair assessment, right? To me, that, that jump is, is, um, it's like going from basic to intermediate, right? Off the top of my head. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because here's the thing. All right, when you're looking at, you can look at the K value. You can look at mathematically. IAC, you're going to be around 300 K in figure difficulty for the sequence. You're talking four, four twenty, four fifty at IAC unlimited. I mean, you're talking a, a third yeah, increase, like 35 percent increase in difficulty. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, mathematically, there it is. And but just the figures, like to me, like the 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 four four to eight of eight on the bottom of a loop, like a push yeah. down a push down loop from level with an eight of eight. Like, how do you score above an eight on that? That's how? a very very good question, and I, I'll let you know if I ever figure it out because right now I'm struggling with that. It, in the Panzel, it has one set of characteristics: the extra. Um, it likes to snap roll really violently when you're on the bottom of one of those loops doing those. Um, and I'm smoothing that out. I've had a couple people ask me for advice. I'm like, well, here's what I've learned so far. I'll get back to you when I know more. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's some of that stuff's tough, but you know, when I got back from WAC, you know, at SIVA advanced, they have tail slides and Jeff, you know, we put that video up of this. Um, yeah. Cause you know, yours was, uh, was yours a hammer into that three quarter flick or a slide in that three quarter flick? It was a slide. I'm amazed. It was a slide. It was a nice slide. Yeah, it was, it was a damn good slide too. So we had the slide figured out for the 18 worlds. Okay, no big deal. When we got back, I had borrowed Panzel number two to stay proficient while my airplane was on the boat going over to Europe. I got back, the thing's still in my hangar. And I think I was back in America for like two days and there was a pre-nationals training camp thing going and a couple of these unlimited guys were tuning up. It was Gifford and Noah Shelsky were getting together and Hey, come on up. I want to hear about it. Come on up. Hop in that panzel. Come up. You can play. I'm like, ah, I just been I, can I just go to bed? You know, I, I'm still not in the time zone, but I went up there, went to the box with them and they threw me in the box and they, and oh, you got to go work on, you need to work on vertical snaps and you need to work on outside snaps. That's the big difference because you got the slide figured out. You need to work on these things. Okay, great. And then I get done with a flight and Craig's panzel doing that. And I kind of was a little bit smarter. And then he says, okay, on your next flight, you're going to do that same thing. You're going to do it in my extra. 
oh man, I don't want to fly. I can't afford that thing. You kidding me? I don't want to bend it. No, no, no. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's a really mean thing to do to your buddy when you fly something like that. Ask Luke Penner. We'll talk about him later. Oh my God, Luke <laughs> Penner. Oh, we have God, to talk but, about Luke Penner. But I got to go on the nightmares. slide. But I got to go uh, on the slide for a second. I got a great Nikolai story for everybody. So <laughs> when we were, I went to Florida at one of the team training camps and I was using the late Mark Fullerton's panzel, which is serial number seven. Mine is serial number one. And Nick was throwing all these tail slides at us because you're sure to see one at the Worlds. Now they're allowed. Okay, Nick. I could not get Fullerton's to fall the right way, no matter how much I cheated. It kept going the wrong way. <laughs> After the flight, Fullerton tells me, no, my sighting device is not straight. You weren't cheating at all. It's like, oh, you son of a gun. And thanks for not telling me that. No wonder Nick was yelling at me all day. So I come home. I'm licking my wounds. It was kind of a rough camp, like Jeff was saying, you know, busting off the seasonal rust. I come back down to the Rome camp in Rome, Georgia, and I bring my own airplane. And Lentz flew it. I flew my little glass here. We went down two ship. It was a lot of fun. We get to Rome, Georgia to this contest, and Nick gets us through the first day of stuff. And then in the second day, he throws out this 500K advanced unknown for us. What? I never yeah, heard it was of this. 582K. I have it on my desk in my hangar to this day. I, I look at it. I just shake my head. You got to post that, man. What the fuck? I will pull I'll get a shot of it and post it. It was insane. And it had, I, I get through this sequence and I had no zeros, which was a surprise myself. I get done with the flight and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to redo half this. And Nick comes on the radio and I'll do my best Nick Russian. Erdun, Erdun, buck two bucks. Tail slide, kind of pee up. And I'm like, ah, shit. Okay, we're going to do tail slides now. Okay. I thought for sure we we're going to have to like revisit half of this damn sequence. So I come in, my airplane, my sighting device, pull up, up goes down, fell backwards, and I swapped ends. Okay, okay. This is good. Great. It's good, I'm yeah. off the hook. I start turning downwind. Add an, add an, back to box. Tail slide. Canopy up. Three-quarter roll upline. Uh, oh, shit. Okay. Well, that's not in advance. Ah, I can do it. Okay, fine. Pull vertical. I'll even roll right and go weak hand. So I pull vertical, roll right, three-quarter roll, put in the cheat at the last second. It backs up, swaps in. He goes, okay, not as good as the first one, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I got to be off the hook. I'm now starting to get fuel warnings on my engine monitor. He comes back on the radio. Erin, Erin, back to box. Canopy up tail slide on upline. Half roll opposite two of four. And I thought, holy shit. Okay, well, we're doing this. So come screaming in the box this time at eh, maybe five or 10 over VNE, because why not? Pull vertical, half roll, breathe. Point, breathe, power off. Point, breathe, power is now completely off. Actually slid, and I kind of surprised myself. Okay, I got to be free of this thing. Nick comes on the radio. Okay, very, very good. Very good. Uh, Erin, Erin, come on, man. One more. Back to box. Tail slide. Canopy up. Full snap roll up. I got <laughs> <laughs> the radio. I said, holy shit. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, this is 2021. They just allowed that at the world level in Unlimited. This is definitely not advanced. And at that it's point- not advanced. This is yeah. so far outside of advance. And I'm on the advance team. All you got to do is a clean tail. You got to go up and come I'm back. Like, I will break you. <laughs> he was doing I will break you. Here's where I, I did not tell him this, and I should have. I had never tried a vertical ascending snap, period, at that point. It's like, oh, shit. So I come pull vertical, and I've got all this speed, and I've got this whole thing worked up in my head. I pitch like I'm on a vertical downline. So the damn panzel damn near turns 90 degrees, slam the forward <laughs> stick, hit the rudder. 
this thing whips around in a gyroscopic. I have no idea what happened. I find myself, I don't even know which way I'm looking. I don't know if it was a half, a full, a one, a quarter. I have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> and all of a sudden the aircraft kind of groans and I hear the prop cavitating and it starts torque rolling off the top. I'm going, oh shit. So I just cut the power and let it fall. Nick gets on the radio and goes, oh fuck, you're done. <laughs> and it's like, okay, and now. Okay, yeah. So I came in and landed. I need some he positive comes up reinforcement. <laughs> Very positive reinforcement. So I'm thinking I'm going to get this pat on the back like, yeah, it's unlimited shit. You know, have a good day. He comes over and he goes, what the hell's wrong with you? What was that? And he just starts berating me about it. Oh I'm my like, God. damn, Nick. Anyways, but he, yeah, he was. It was the very much the Ivan Drago. I will break you. I will and break he you. was on that. But God, he threw the book at me in that flight. Anyway. Yeah. Why, did he, why did he do that? He was trying to see what my limit of control of the aircraft was. He wanted to see how well I had that, that tail slide figured out. And to be honest, if you're watching any of the videos from any of the unlimited team from America and even some of the internationals, I'm seeing this with South Africans, French, and others, we're all putting up little videos of mistake reels trying to do these tail slides with the snap going up. It's not too bad with an inside snap, a full flick, but when you do a three-quarter flick, you come out of that flick and you're carrying a lot of opposite rudder, which is bad news going into your tail slide. So you got to modify right. the snap or do you, you got to cheat the line. Do you think that this is kind of um, highlighting that a lot of people cheat that outside three quarter with a lot of aileron? Yep, and it also highlights who can do I a love it. pitch snap. Oh yeah, pits guys know how to snap roll an airplane because you cannot cheat in the pits. You literally cannot. Yeah, you can't. That's correct. And one of the things that we're figuring out with this new generation of monoplane, um, some do need a lot of aileron, others don't. But uh, one of the things we're finding out is like in the Panzel, when I snap it, I have to blend the input. So I have to go with rudder and elevator at the same time and then do an acceleration input to make it really rip, which, okay, fine. In the extra, that thing is so well balanced and harmonized, flick of the wrist and thing pitches up and stalls. You can keep your feet flat on the floor and just sit there if you want. Yeah. And, and in the Panzel... The effect is the panzel's got a less effective rudder. So in the panzel, you have to blend that input. Now, from the ground, they see pitch and rotation, which is good. That's what they want to see. That muscle memory, when I get in the extra, falls apart big time because <laughs> the extra is so damn immediate. You see this thing yaw 20 degrees left and bank 10 left, and the nose comes up and heals up, and then it goes and rips into it. It's like, God damn. So what, I, what would you say to like – and I think this is really important because we have a lot of listeners that are at basic sportsman level – what would you say to these guys that are learning new maneuvers that are getting frustrated that, you know, like the, uh, for example, like for me, it was when I, I did sportsman and then when I believe it's intermediate, when it threw a uh, rotation on the upline, like whether it was a quarter roll or whatever, yeah. ascending, it was very frustrating. And I'm like, how the fuck do these guys do it? What would you say to these people as far as learning it and overcoming it and not getting frustrated? Like, what, what kind of like um, mentorship? Mark, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Guidance. Guidance. Yeah, perfect. There is so much bromance in this room right now. <laughs> 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 All right. So if I got to issue any word of guidance on this, because like you said, you know, the, the quarter rolls, the vertical up rotations, that was a tough thing for you. For me, when I went into sportsman, the pivot on the hammerhead almost did me in. I couldn't get the damn thing to pivot and stay clean for the life of me. Jeez. And 
It, it was you it was suck, a stick Aaron, actually. You're terrible. I know. I'm awful. I got to go back to primary. <laughs> I'll go back to primary when I have to push so hard. Just quit. But anyways, <laughs> please for me, we, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got to be honest. There has been such a uh, there has been such a uh, interesting um, progression, and everybody hits something at some point. I've heard people that it, I was talking to a possible student here uh, last night said her spin wouldn't break. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it just it just kind of spirals. Well, I, off the top of my head, I know that she's descending going into that spin because I've had that problem too. Yeah, If you've got it level, slight climb, you get a good clean stall, it'll break and fall. There's always one or two little fundamental things that are getting missed. And like on the vertical quarter roll for you, you know, look down at your hand, look where it is relative to the stick, look at your arm angle. If you're rolling left, you're going to tend to push. If you're rolling right, you're going to tend to pull back. Oh, yeah. People don't think of that until they get it pointed out. There's so this goes back to you know what's the tip, what's the guidance. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, really, don't. And you'd be surprised where the help comes from. I was working with John Morrissey, former trainer of the Unlimited team, multiple U.S. national aerobatic champion. He's got gold medals at SEVA and everything else and, it, you know, and has trained a lot of world or national champions, a couple of world champions. He's done a lot and he couldn't help me. He was the guy that taught me the hammerhead in his A model. And when I got my S1S, I couldn't do it. And after working with him for, you know, a couple of camps and all this frustration, he made the comment at one point, we'll fix it if it takes every penny you've got. <laughs> I was actually at a camp with two other sportsman pits pilots. And the one pilot looked at me and says, do this. And I said, why? And he put his hand up and he walked his hand through the pivot and he says, see what's happening here? Yeah. He says, do this. And I still, I have the tape. John was still doing analog, real tapes, recording the flights on audio cassettes. And I have the tape. I've got a big mark on it in my hanger. I keep it because it was kind of funny. You can see, and John's recording, ah, great, here comes the damn hammer stunt again. And I pull up to vertical, and you hear the engine slowing down, and you hear him go, <sighs> like, here we go again. And that was the pivot when it worked. And I had a sportsman pilot, a fellow sportsman pilot in the same camp. We're trying to conquer, you know, the sportsman known for the year, and he fixed it for me. He saw it, and he says, I had that problem too. You would not believe it. A lot of people get so caught up in this or, you know, my coach is better than your coach or whatnot. You'd be surprised where you can get good input from. And that's the one thing when I got what into this. What were you sport, doing in that hammer? Were you, were you torquing out of it? On. Okay. So think about the angle of your arm. When I would hit yeah. the rudder and I would yeah. go to do the right aileron to stop the torque, I was pulling back and the aircraft uh -huh. would go on its back a little bit and then it would torque about 30 to 40 degrees of roll. Yeah. And it was just enough on its back in a little short bodied S1 pits with a rounded belly that a world class trainer didn't see it. It was that little input. And this guy, oh, yeah, yeah. And you go over and you hit the rudder and then move and kind of like, like you're hooking a punch. You go to the right and then add some forward pressure. And so on my first attempts, I'd pivot. And I know there's the risk of going into a spin. But on my first attempts, as it would start to pivot, stick would go right. And then I'd add some forward pressure to like push the heading. I was actually getting it to go the other way, which was cool. Now I have control. And then I got down to where I found that little sweet spot in the middle after a few more pivots and it, it worked. But my God, I mean, it was one of those things. I was flying great in this category and the stupid hammerhead pivot. And I mean, granted, we're talking 2008, but still that one dumb little thing was holding me back. And, yeah. and, and once it made sense, it made sense. And I've never fought it since, but you know, 
I've worked with at that point, two different coaches and I've had a lot of really experienced eyes and other pits drivers. And it was just a little bit and nobody saw it coming and I wouldn't do it in his a model because the seating position was different. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's little things. So don't yeah. be afraid to get some advice. A lot of people get so hung up or, you know, my way or my trainer taught me this and da, da, da. Well, if you're struggling with it, maybe an outside opinion works. I mean, fresh set of eyes. It's amazing. Yeah. And you know, it, it kind of like, it kind of spurs some type of like from hearing that story. It's a great story, by the way. And totally. That hilarious. is a great story. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm the last one to say this, but um, obviously keep your ears open and, and you never know where you can get advice from, but how fucking awesome would it be to see John Osmeyer and Sammy Mason go head to head in the pits competition? <laughs> it may happen. You never Seriously. know. Cause yeah, to me, those are the two best pits pilots in America right now. I'm going to back you on that. I'm going right? to back you on that. Who, who else would round the top three? I mean, Oof. I like Sam, what Sammy does with an S one is almost unbelievable. I agree with that. He gets yeah, every bit you, out of that thing. I t- and I yes. agree with you, Mark. And Sam and Sam's really, really good. But I've seen John. No, John is incredible. No, he's incredible. You've never John doesn't post videos though. You've yeah, never, I've seen not. video of him. I've I've been sent videos of him. Oh really? Yeah, he 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 doesn't post a lot of his cockpit videos or any of that stuff. He's Good. pretty discreet about it. And guy no. is like he's like Sub Zero in Mortal Kombat, which is coming out April twenty third. By the way, I'm so obsessed with this. I don't know why. Oh, that's that's two days. Cool. Mortal yeah. Kombat coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, John. I mean, I would love John and Sammy to compete at Worlds in 2023. Gene Nevada as a team. And oh, just that would be outstanding. Just fucking romp on everybody. That'd yeah. be cool. I yeah. think John, I think Osmeyer might be one of my favorite pilots to watch fly. I got to be honest. I mean, you know, if, if we're going to do top three on the, on, and we're sticking with the S1 here, there's yeah. a young guy out of Canada, Andy Ernawine. Has it, it, Petro, you saw him fly. He outscored everybody at uh, the 18 Nationals, but he didn't have citizenship, so he couldn't take the trophy. Remember that? He's a, oh my gosh, what a border jumper. I know, but he just came down because <laughs> he likes the environment and he likes to compete. <laughs> How crazy is that? How crazy is that? That you have this guy in Canada. I mean, Luke is another example, but you have like real talent up there. They come down here and they can't even take a trophy home. Well, but it is the national championships, you know? Yeah. Listen, that's like a two hour podcast. And like, I want to get into that and I'm I'm in happy mode and that's going to get me in an angry mode. (laughs) I can understand. Let's pivot. uh, Well, let's keep it positive with regard to nationals. (laughs) Are you guys excited? For, for 2023, like, are you guys excited? I don't know. As far as having it here, are you gonna are you gonna advance it up in 23? You know, I debated that big time, but I, I'm kind of looking at this challenge of unlimited, and I'm I'm kind of liking it. I'm yeah. I'm really having fun with it. If so, here's the deal: if we don't quite know what Steve is going to do yet, and Jeff, I'm sorry, I kind of pestered you about this offline several times about, hey, you're going to have a world contest, you're going to have one. I, I hope don't you know, do. Man. I don't think him and Han, right? I, I I hope you do because I want you to have that experience, and I think you're going to do well. And I've been watching, you know, Donnie Hartman's come a long ways, and you know, we've got, uh, you know, Marty's always a really solid player, and Johnny Wacker's doing a great job, and now with Alon playing in the group, I mean, it, there there's some talent. This could be a fun group, and it, it, everybody I hold in high regard. I I'm not as worried about what it would look like for me if I came back to advanced to get on the team to do that. Listen, I have the I'm, solution of solutions, Aaron. 
you and I are going to join Team Canada and compete 2023 in June. <laughs> well, so the, the thing, well, let's see if they got a reciprocity deal. Let's see if we can go across the border. Let's do this. But, um, but low key, and I, I'm going to have people call me a traitor after I say this. Oh, I am sorry, him. but it's going to come up. Fuck oh, him. you guys are, you, I, you guys know this, but people on the podcast are going to go, you dang traitor. What happened? But, the deal is I've actually been talking with Luke Penner and I've been talking with a few of the other Canadian guys and I've floated the idea out there since, you know, team USA is probably going to pick like a Holland and I know we've got Nick and we've got some other trainers, but I've got a pretty good rapport with these guys. Um, they've been asking me about going up and training Canada and training those guys. And I'm not too far from the border, so it can be done. That'd be cool. I, so I, it's it's me, actually in the cards. Let me ask you a serious question then. What were your, if you can, I want you, all right, so breathe. It's a very serious okay. I want you to think of the first word that comes through your head and you have to say it within two seconds, okay? Oh boy. And I'm going to ask you a question. All right. What's the first word that comes to your head when you saw Luke Penner fly his 330 SC? Hot. I, I mean, I, it, it, it realistically was. My first word so, was quit. I, I picked quit. Oh no! I, I, I can see. That. I can see that. I can see that. So I quit. I quit. I quit. <laughs> well, but, the the thing that gets me is this flight school talent. All right, we've we've joked about this in the past. It, it's like Mike Lentz. Last time I knew, he had like twenty five hundred hours of dual given in the decathlon plus his own flight time. I mean, that's just insane. You talk to Luke Penner, whose day job, (laughs) Luke Penner's day job is hopping into aerobatic airplanes and doing this. Uh, He and I were talking when he found out he was going to get that opportunity. And I was telling him, you know, all right, look out, the wing stalls fast. And here's what you need to try. And here's what you need to go for. And he he texted teaching Luke. Stop it. It's annoying. He's getting too good. Aaron, stop it. (laughs) The dude texted me when he was up there and, uh. He, he texted me. He's like, holy shit. I just got through the first flight. I'm going to do that again. It's like, yeah. Anyways. Now, <sighs> I, I just, it, but Jeff, you've said this and same here. That airplane is so damn intuitive. It's so neutral and so well balanced. It's going to bring out all your good. If you have any bad tendencies, they're going to show up too, but it is so neutral. Oh, dude. So, it's incredible. That airplane. If it's it's probably an airplane that you could buy with no aerobatic training get some aerobatic training and then probably, you know, not advanced, but like intermediate in sportsman and just, just fly through it and let the airplane fly it. Mark, I'm telling you, you would be like, holy shit. I really (laughs) want to fly one. Fly mine. Come out, dude. I I would do any justice to it, but I would love to fly it. Yeah. I'm telling you what it, it, it is, it is remarkable. That setup, and you know, just the little things like the Ron, the yawn roll coupling. I'm starting to slur my speech now. Uh Oh, the uh, yawn roll coupling is so minimal, you know, in some aircraft you hit the rudder, damn thing will bank over 15 degrees, not the SC. So think about, like, think about doing like rolling turns. Oh, I need to start getting this turn going. Cause I got to do a half roll in you know, 90 degrees or more, just stand on the rudder and the nose starts moving and then just add yeah. the roll when you're ready. I mean, it's just, it, it is so intuitive. And once you get a couple hours in, it just becomes an extension of you. Yeah. Aaron, we, we've talked for years, uh, just like Facebook message here and there. And, uh, you've always, it, I've always been so impressed with your, like your level of 
like technical knowledge on why these airplanes do what they sure. do. And I, I don't have all the whys, but I, I very much come from that camp of, if you're going to teach somebody something, um, teach them the why, right? Teach, yeah. teach yeah. why this airplane is doing what it is. Um, what, what, what is that cornering ability in an airfoil? Like, like the MX has such a high, it's such a high energy airplane. You would think that it wouldn't have that cornering ability. Like, why does it have the best of both worlds in that, in that regard? Yeah. So the, the MX has got a lot more wing area for the, you know, it, it, a lot more wing area, different airfoil shape and the angles in the trapezoid are different than the extra, you know, effectively with the 330 SC, they took the same airfoil and wing as a 300L and they took two feet out of the middle section, which has the longest cord line. Okay. Think about how much wing area that chopped out of that thing. Yeah. So, and, and they did that. And I'm, I'm not sure we'd have to talk to extra on this if they changed any angles on it or, but I know the tail's been hopped up, but on yeah. like say the SC, for example, you know, they gave it this super sharp and very aggressive stall in an effort to make it easier to perform snaps and especially outside snaps. Cause that's something the extras did, but didn't do terribly well. Um, and that's something where the Panzel has got, they've got this double French curve in the airfoil. And when you point out and you see it, you go, Holy crap, that's kind of artistic. And to do that with wood is really cool. Um, no, they do not include a Terminex contract when you buy a Panzel. I'll just throw it out there. You got to do it yourself. <laughs> but um, with that wood wing and that double French curve, if the prop is windmilling, you have three axis control of the airplane. So you can pull and, you know, in at at 180, I can hit, you know, 10 plus G's in a corner. It'll hang on. And in the SC, you can really? be at 200. In, in, the, in the SC at 200 knots, you can depart in a pull and it'll just, it just let go. Oh, oh yeah. And, and if you're coming off of a hammerhead on the downline, just don't. Forget the rolls and rotations. If you're coming off a hammerhead on the downline and you pull a little hard and it breaks and you go whoops and you recover it and then you pull and get it back to level again, that thing is going to – that just costs you three, 400 feet. So if yeah. you're flirting with the floor of the box, that's bad news. So you've got you to you've back off. And contest adrenaline is a real thing. People get in front of the judges. They get really edgy and start yanking. I yeah, can that's understand gonna, that. That's going to cost you the game. And – like with the Panzel, um, so you want to talk about? We'll talk some numbers here. Um, oh God! No, this is easy. This is kind of like the prop thing earlier. You can take from just pick a speed and an altitude, say fifteen hundred feet and one eighty indicated knots, miles an hour. I don't care. Just one eighty indicated and <clears throat> pull vertical. Do it. And I did it. I actually did a webinar for the IAC and EAA on this, and. Pull the vertical and do it at like 2G. You'll fly this big ass sweeping radius that takes a long time. And you go up a long ways, but you spend no time on the vertical. And then pivot a hammerhead. And when you pivot, look at the altimeter. Then do it at three, three and a half, four, four and a half, five. What we found is with the Panzel, best energy capture is about 7.2. That's when you get your most vertical penetration. You spend your most time on the vertical line and you get the most height reclaimed. In the SC, it's right around there as well. But because it's in knots and because it doesn't scrub as much energy with less induced drag, the damn thing goes up forever. Um, one of these unknowns this last weekend, I kept going out high, which I've never had that problem before. Anyways, that's some good shit. So anyways. Are you working at, are you, are you, how are you mitigating being high in the box then? 
with chopping power. Just chopping well, power, yeah. Chopping yeah. power. And the other thing is it, the SC does not need to hit V&E for much of this stuff. There's only a couple maneuvers where you have to do that, and those are those goofy P-loops that Siva likes to see where you got to go up, do a bunch of rolls, then go snap on top. Okay, for those, you need to hit V&E. But otherwise, keep it under 180. You don't need it. And back the power off. You've got to do – it's the other energy management curve. And – I, I heard one time Rob threw out a number on his MX with his freestyle. He's got this half loop up he starts with, with a bunch of rolls and rolls and snaps on top. And it's impressive to watch. And I've, I've heard him throw out a number about how fast he comes in the box to pull that off. And I just shake my head every time. It's like, man, but if the box gets awfully small, if you go that fast, I mean, Dude, I, mean I love Rob and, yeah. and you know, what do you want? Whatever you call it, like clap to him. But his entrance for, you know, he's flown that, that one figure, that entrance figure where it's like, you know, rolling a quarter, rolling three quarter, push yeah, half loop, four, two, outside, yeah. yeah. So like, it makes it impossible for you to like, not that, not impossible, like, but like I designed my freestyle this year for unlimited. And the last thing I want to do is put that type, put that entrance figure in where it's like whatever rotation, opposite rotation, push or pull loop. Because it's like, oh, here's a Rob Holland figure. Like the guy is cleaning yeah. that figure. Like you cannot use that figure and not be compared to Rob Holland. I don't care what you say. Right. Agreed. Yeah, that's right. What's, that's right. What's your and first figure for Unlimited right now? Like your freestyle. What's your first figure? I got a double bump, and I've got rolls up, down, and back up. And yeah. I picked all things. Okay, it, it's your free, so it's got to be stuff you do well that makes your airplane look good. And I like the vertical, so I use a lot of vertical lines. Mark, what's your first figure? <laughs> I tend to go for the rap freestyle over aerobatic freestyle. So, had a rattlesnake in his hanger. Can you believe oh, that? Jesus. Oh man! Actually, oh, turned out, I, I don't problems. know that it was a rattlesnake, but it was a baby baby snake. And I, the scary part is, I it was a it was a garden snake. <laughs> it was a rubber. It was a rubber toy snake. No, um, the scary part was, is I stepped over the snake to close the hangar door and then looked back down as I was locking the door, you know, closing the door to lock it and saw it there. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Crazy. Um, it was freaky. It was freaky. Aaron, what's your role? What's your role right now in the ISC? Are you a board member? Are you on something committee? Like what's your deal? Um, I've been on a couple committees and a couple working groups. I actually ran for the board a number of years ago. So I, I, I had CD'd the nationals in 2012 and I tried running for the board back then. And the incumbent beat me by a few votes, which was okay. I, it wasn't a big deal, but um, I attended a couple of the board meetings. I think that would make that it, it's never about the loops. It's never about the figures. It's, it's about the business of the club. I just don't know that I want to do that. That's, that that would almost make the sport work, and I don't know. I'd consider it down the road, you know, as physiological. I can't compete anymore. Mark, do you want I to consider doing? doing? Uh oh, I'll let you tell him. It's exciting. Dun, 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 dun. He's going to make it a job. Fuck. Oh, really? I am. I'm. You doing I'm, it? I'm technically running. I submitted my. Uh, it was so cringing. Actually, do you think that the board is divided right now? I think there probably is a divide on the board. And I I think, you know, we... We've, there is? I, I think there probably is. What? Again, I don't participate in any of the no. board meetings. But, <laughs> but on the uh, on the IAC working group that I was on, I was on um, uh, 
modifying procedures for the team selection and trying to clean up some verbiage in that. And that was led by an IAC board member. We got on a Zoom call one night. Nobody else could make it. It was just him and I. And we, we had some discussions about how it was going. And we had some discussions. And there are a few board members that just you know, said, you know, oh, we've had enough of this. We're done. And yeah. we've had a few that it, – and like I said, it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. There's always going to be a little drama, sure. But you got to refresh the faces. you got to bring some new ideas in once in a while. Or you've got to bring in some ideas of people that see the problem. That's a great, that's a great comment. So yeah. let me ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot and there's no right. right or wrong answer. So okay. don't worry about being wrong or right because any idea is a good idea. Okay. So my biggest thing, well, I don't want to give away my answer. Um, so imagine yourself, you're on the board, right? Mm-hmm. Hanging out in Oshkosh, see the museum, see some cool airplanes hanging out. Drinking see. pina coladas, signing, signing girls, you know, autographs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look to your right. You got a Hawaiian snow cone machine. Mark Pollard has got his helmet on. He's, he's asking you, he's asking you what type of syrup you want on it. And you're like, and, um, and then all of a sudden the president, you know, Jim Burke w- walks up to you and goes, you're Aaron McCartan, right? And you're like, I am. And he's like, well, what fuck does it look like? Yeah. What would make the 25 year old and under demographic join the IEC? So oh. what's your answer? And if you if you want me to answer first, I, I have no problem answering first. Well, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to money. A lot of it comes down to motivation. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They're, they're, Jeff, you've been at this long enough in a competitive standpoint. And Mark, you've been around enough people and given enough people introductions. This is not an apolitical answer. In all sincerity, there is no fast path to success in this sport. You have mm-hmm. got to put in so much time. That's a great, you have to that's invest so much stuff. It, you spend you spend such a huge amount of time and money, and you sacrifice. I can't tell you how many things I've missed out on in life because I had to hit the contest, um, and it doesn't stop. So, so let me let me ask you something. Before you started flying, um, I'm not saying like before you got your license and everything. So but before uh, the sport, sure. I'm trying to uh, communicate this right for our listeners here. Um, before you had an aerobatic airplane, would you, would you have found it acceptable to join the IAC knowing that the IAC was accepting you as a non-pilot and you didn't have to fly? Or did you feel obligated that you had to fly while joining the IAC? Well, I joined the IAC to fly, to participate in the events. I did not understand because it was never clear to me that there were non-flying roles. Now, so do you, young, well, let, me, let me cut you off there. So if the IAC conveyed that, um, and this is kind of where I would like to get involved in the IAC to, to help out. And, and by no way, shape or form am I trying to um, diminish the IAC right now. I'm just trying right, to open right, right. communication right now. Um, of course. So if the IAC conveyed that it, it's an organization that welcomed people that never had to fly, you know, you could join it and you never have to fly. It's not even a, a fact about being on a road to fly. Um, do you feel like that would increase membership? I think there's a definite 
membership pool we haven't tapped by taking that avenue. Yeah, I think there's a possibility of increasing membership that way. One individual who was on the team a few years ago asked if he could fly with me. I'm on um, a couple different pits insurance. If I coordinate the airplane and pay that guy for gas, would you come up and give me a ride in it? See if that's actually what I want to do. And, you know, but now you're talking people that have, you know, they, they've skipped a decade. You know, they went from early 20s, mid 20s, and now we're talking, you know, we're getting into the young 30s and now we can afford to do this. So we'll get some of them back. But looking at the, you know, you're looking at a team of 10 or 11 young people and you only have, say, you know, two that come back into the sport. Well, I don't know. We got to do something better for attention. So yeah, I mean, I'm Mark, with you. you. Mark, you were a riddle, right? I mean, what would it take? I mean, if obviously it's all hindsight, um, but what do you think would be it's such an untapped resource and riddle, right? To, to get a group of like a hundred or 200 or a thousand in a seminar, you know, market it and tell it's going to happen in three months and get enough people to sign up for it. I mean, whatever, what do you think it would take to get a bunch of riddle rats in there? The short answer is I, I simply just don't know. Um, you know, we already, the problem with, with, uh, organizations like the IAC, you know, we are such a niche subset of already a niche hobby profession sport, right? You know, how many people have a private pilot's license? Then you ax that, uh, to, to 1% and then you get people that, that are into aerobatics. I mean, that's, you know, you're talking, what is it? One, one half of, one percent, you know, or one tenth of one percent of people kind of are into aerobatics. Getting people signed up for the eighty dollar a year membership, not not competing, just just, just getting membership and like letting them know um, what contests are and they can be a part of it in any way, shape, or form. I tell you one thing. So for me, so going back to like the question that you asked, Aaron, that like um, I did, I signed up to be an IAC member before. I mean, I loved aerobatics, but, and I still haven't competed and, and who knows if I will or not, but, uh, I will continue to be a dues paying member. I love the organization and I love that it's the representative body that we have for aerobatics. Um, that being said, um, the IAC does nothing for my hobbyist love of aerobatics, True. right? Like I don't, I don't get any fulfillment out of for, for me and what I do. Right. So I'm, I'm a weekend warrior aerobatic guy. Okay. For all intent and purpose. Like I have, yes, I'm an instructor, do upset recovery training and, and that could fall under that umbrella. And, and I have my business listed on the IAC website. So there, there is some thing, there is some, some fringe benefits, but I think my point is, is that for people that are paying that, that money, they either want, they either want to see a, a, um, a reciprocal benefit or see that their money is being used to benefit the, the, you know, the club or, or the membership. And I think one thing I'd like to see is, is the, I mean, we've talked about this is especially the teams. Like I want to see better support for people that are actually putting their blood, sweat and tears in this. Like, where's my money going? And is it going to, is it really supporting the organization? Whereas like, you know, if you pay your $80 and you don't compete and, and maybe you're, you're, you're kind of, there's a little six degrees of separation. Like maybe you don't go to chapter meetings. You don't see kind of how that money's being used and you don't understand the organization that you may question whether what's the point, right? Yes. Okay. I loved I love loops and rolls, but so what? So let me ask you a question. So obviously, you know, you're working on getting to your first contest, but 
for the past 10 years, you've been following IAC contests, yes? Oh, yeah. So, I mean... And the teams and totally. uh, worlds and nationals and sure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a fan. You know, like I think that's the problem is is... I'm, you know, just kind of like how you said, like the IAC doesn't need to send you a flyer. You know, it's like the AOPA six months before your, your membership expires, they're sending you a flyer once every three days. Like, Hey, your membership is going to expire. You know, the EAA and the IAC don't necessarily do that, but it's like, Hey guys, the people that are on the advanced or unlimited teams or that have been competing and uh, dues paying members for 20 years. I don't know that because you don't remind them to sign up or that you feel like you need to pander to them to keep their membership. I don't know that that's the move, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're, they're staying they're, they, so, If they've been a member for 20 years, I'm pretty sure they're going to continue for the 21st. Year. So you're saying, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that there's no value in the membership right now for you, right? No, no, I, I won't say that because I know that my $80 goes to something, whether, whether it's simply a voice for uh flying aerobatics, in the United States, which is huge, right? Like, um, do I now let me, uh, let me take a step back. Somebody's on the fence. If somebody just simply likes doing, um, maybe they don't even like doing aerobatics. They just love the idea of aerobatics. I mean, there's plenty of people that love warbirds or aerobatic airplanes or, or air shows that aren't even pilots and have no intention of ever flying in that so, you know, I think that, that, will, that aspect of aviation, your, your dilemma. And I think you and I shared this dilemma along with Aaron, right, Aaron? Um, yeah. yeah. Is that if there was more communication. So basically, and I think that this podcast that we're doing is kind of an amateur way of doing it. Well, it's, it's pretty fucking fun. But if there was a monthly, IAC, if there was a monthly branded IAC podcast that was very hangar talk and loose talk, and it was like, all right, like, blah, blah, blah. This past contest happened last weekend. You know, like Alex Huey fucking killed it. And Luke Penner flew down from Canada and whooped everybody's ass and blah, blah, blah. And that'd be cool because there's value to that. You know, you're getting something for your money and it's substantial in my opinion. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's keeping you in the loop of everything right now. I, I, and I know that everybody's doing their best in the IC. Like it's not, if anybody's listening, like, Please don't take this personally. Um, but I think that if no, it's not anybody falling short here. It's, no. it's really not. But if there was um, like a, at least a, it's month a hard ago, problem to solve, dude. I, this is like really. asking. I don't think so. This, I think if it was. See, a I think monthly, it is. Well, it, overall, totally, I'm on board with you. But I think you know, I think that increasing communication from the actual standpoint of the IC, not from like fly cool shit or. Facebook airbag pilots group or whatever. But if the IAC had, you know, loosened its, its waistband a little bit and was a little bit cooler and just did like a monthly thing where I was like, Hey, like, you know, we're going to get Mark and Jeff on. They got this cool podcast. They're talking a lot of aerobatics. Like, let's see what they have to say. And like, just getting the pulse of the market and um, seeing what's going on. One of the things that I saw chapter 15 out of Kansas city formally do is they, they would bring in, RC and they would bring in EAA and they would bring in just some local pilot groups that had no affiliation with any entity. They just happened to like flying. And these were your non-flying volunteers at the contest. And it was just, I know this person that knows this person that knows this person. And pretty soon you've got a team of volunteers that want to see the cool airplanes. And that got you your boundary judges that got score runners, recorders that, I mean, that filled the roster and we never had staffing problems at that contest when they were running it that way. 
The sideline to that was if you had a two-seat aerobatic airplane or participating in the event, you were asked, you didn't have to, but you were asked if you would give a brief aerobatic ride on the conclusion of the contest to one of these volunteers as thanks for their effort. Yeah. And people would chip in and do that. So now you've got this really fun reward that you get to go experience what's been going on all week long. And that actually kept a lot of excitement and engagement on the chapter 15 contest. Sure. Now I saw EAA run an article and, or, and might've been IAC, but this has been a couple of years ago. Should we have aerobatic involvement with young Eagles? I mean, can you imagine the thrill and getting the hooks in? And we I mean, just talked about that. And wasn't that met for, with a huge amount of resistance? They're like, no way huge. in hell. Yeah. See, insurance. That- insurance. Oh, insurance. Oh, liability. Okay. I get that. But how many loops have y'all flown where you've crashed? I mean, let's just, you know, realistically, loop roll spin. I mean, and maybe not yeah. even that, you know, maybe yeah. loop roll half a barrel roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The airport. Timeout. I've been at the airport and seen these young eagle flights, and I've seen so many airplanes that these kids, that these parents let these kids go flying. I know, man. And I'm like, this 90 year old dude hopping in a Euro coupe that that has rust on it, and it's like oh. that. That's that's not the issue, but you know, a person in a in a four hundred thousand dollar you know game bird uh, is yeah. the liability. Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah. yeah. Risky, and, and you know risky what? Stuff. And and if we're and this is where this is where I start getting super angry, so I'll back off my soapbox. But like, if we're having the chapter no, or, or the sanctioning though. body, get on your soapbox. <laughs> I want to hear it. Soapbox. It, we you know, all want to hear it. The sanctioning bodies or or Put on your the Put on your alphabet group that that <laughs> represent us are are fearing us, then it's done. Yeah, shut it down. If the EA is work, this is the kind of thing, and this is why I go back to like advertising in contests. Like somewhere this came along where it's like you can't advertise a contest because then oh, it's an yeah. air show, and I, yep. I fully disagree with that. I can't stand that notion. It's it's stuff like that where you're like you are you are actively afraid of your own the the interest that your organization represents. You are f- afraid of it. So w- either y- either the per- the people that are afraid of it or fearful and are unwilling to do this stuff need to leave, or that or the organization is kind of irrelevant. That's kind of where I go when I hear this stuff. It's like okay, y- y- the aerobatic international aerobatic club can't put something together to get. We've done intro flights in GA. We've done all kinds of stuff. There's ride programs and people give aerobatic flights all the time with insurance. You're telling me what it, I don't even understand why young Eels needs a blanket insurance policy to give a flight. We all, we all have insurance policies. So, um, you know, we talked about, uh, talked about the difference, you know, an air show and you can't hold out for that. Um, a number of years ago, Tucker brought his air show crew through, I think it was flying cloud in Minnesota, Minneapolis, West Metro. And Tucker had, it was some Oracle affiliate, which was his big sponsor at the time, had some Oracle affiliate in the Minneapolis Metro, and they were going to give a bunch of executives a press ride. So they brought up a couple of the Tutima School 300Ls, and then they started reaching out to other extra owners in the area. Hey, we've got to give all these rides. There was no affiliation with anybody other than his sponsor that put him there and paid for the gas. But the turnout was fine. We loaded up people that maybe have a heart condition. We don't know, but we'd loaded up an airplane, took them for a ride. And I can name off a couple of uh, UND folks that were down there at it. I mean, it was a big, big deal. And 
they did a couple of YouTube videos that are probably still out there somewhere. Yeah. I remember hearing about it. They had a fantastic turnout, gave dozens of rides. No problems. I, like I said, I, I understand we we kind of flirt with this image. We need to be the safe ones and not the barnstorming thrill seekers. I understand that, but we also need to have an ability to promote ourselves and to well, you showcase can be so that skill. safe. You can be so safe that, that you should be grounded. Yes. Let's, let's not take any risk. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of back up too. I'll remind everybody that the EAA gives rides in Warbirds. It, they, they, yeah. They, we'll, we'll, they were designed for, you know, a trip to Europe and maybe not come back. And that was 80 years ago. So, yeah. Well, let's no, I get yeah. that. So let's, I, I just, I, let's take a time. Some of the stuff where I'm like, I just refuse. I, 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 it's almost like if this was a board meeting and people are like, listen, we just, we can't ensure this. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you can't? You know, like, don't, you know, this, there needs to be a little bit of Steve Jobs. And it's like, don't tell me you can't figure it out. Like, yeah. yep. set, some, set some minimum standards, vet people if you need to, but get a network of people that can, that can do young, Eagles, aerobatic flights, intro flights, and it can be 10 minutes, guys. A loop and roll and a barrel roll and then land. And then that per- – I t- if, if I would have gotten that at hell, – hell, at any age and shit, I would probably – I would do it now and have fun. But like, you know, if I got that at like 10, 12, 15, I, dude, Hooked. lights out. Hooked. Because I remember when I got my first aerobatic lesson, I was, I was a private pilot and then I was hooked. Who's somebody kind of like, you know what, like – this guy fucking can do it. I can do it. Or like, you know what? He kept at it. You know, he's a good mentor. You look up to who's somebody who you would, who you like to talk about. You know, it, it's as cliche as this is, you know, there's always the guy at the top. There's always the guy that's up there. That's proven himself and got that big bullseye on his back. And that'd be Rob. And of course, yeah, you're going to measure yourself up. I did not beat Rob. I did not be, that's the benchmark for the U S but I, I don't want to take away from Rob because he is amazing. And he, it, you know, by the numbers, he's the best guy we've got in the country. I want to get on the team with Rob. I surely would love to play ball at or beyond that level. But, you know, I, I have a lot of development has to happen on my end to get there. But like you said, Goody. Goody is he's incredible. His style, the precision and the aggression. When Goody is on, it is magic to watch. He's like a ninja. And he, he mm-hmm. really is. And, what what gets me is he's a really intense guy and you know i mean the crossfit and the dude is shredded as all get out and he's high energy and he just goes and goes and goes and the whole time i've been in this sport i've always looked up to him and his precision his aggression is just amazing and then you get out and he's so polite yes sir yes sir well thank you sir that was very kind of you sir and he's got that southern gentleman thing just oh, pouring over and it's like man <laughs> anyways i just I, I he he amazes me but the one, um, you know, and you start looking internationally, there's a ton of them, but there's such an amazing pool of talent out there and getting on the same team with them is just that, that's just, it, I, I, there's so much collaborative knowledge to have. I'm like, like I said, that's why I'm kind of looking at this stepping up to unlimited thing. Cause you've got Syllabirdy who's got this amazing mind to create these sequences, you know, Goody, I've just been singing his praises, you know, Rob, it, it's kind of like Lewis Hamilton in F1, you know, you look at the series and, you know, yeah, we know Lewis is winning. Let's talk about these other guys for a little bit. Do you think I that, don't mean to take away from Rob, but do you think that then you Rob's start looking at the MXS is handicapping him in international competition. That's a good question. And I, I'm going to answer that in one moment. But, you know, you start talking about like, you know, like Craig and you had, unfortunately, we had the loss of Mark Nowashelski last year, you know, 
Craig is kind of like the big brother that pesters me. And I'm going to have to remind him in a few days that he's getting older because his birthday's coming up. But um, I'm, I'm like the little chihuahua, the little yippy one that annoys him. But if, if every one of these folks on the team has got something to bring to the table. Now, to your MXS question, that's a really good point. I, I, I'm... Mitchell's going to call and kick me in the nuts on this one. I swear <laughs> the MX, the MX, the performance is staggering. The speed, the energy is great. There's something about the way it moves in a snap roll that I just don't, it doesn't look traditional. I call me the old fashioned biplane guy. And of course now I've got no room to talk. I'm trying to make an extra snap like a biplane or a panzel, but that's why I went to the panzel. The panzel flies like a pits with just a hell of a lot more performance. That's why I went to the panzel. Uh-huh. That was a natural progression for me because it felt very familiar. It was intuitive because I had S1, S2 time. It felt like what I knew. And it just had all the numbers I needed to get me through the next couple categories. So but we did we the, did a podcast with Matt Chapman, Mark and I. Yeah. Remember, Mark? And he brought up a really good point. You remember? Which, which uh, he brought up several good points, but refresh he, me. He basically talked about how, like, you know, if so, um, spoiler alert, if Rob was in the SC, he would have been three time champion is is basically what Chapman said. But because when you bring an airplane like the MXS to a competition international, the judges aren't used to seeing it. So right. that whole benefit of the doubt rule kind of goes out the window. So True. if they don't, if they're so used to seeing yeah, it, there's nothing to compare it to. Right. So like if. Rob does something which is most likely on par or better than on par, whatever you want to call it. Um, and if they second guess it a little bit, they're not going to give them that extra 0.5. And that's the difference. I mean, the guys. Yeah, you're working with really small margins at that level. Oh, huge. That's, that's, hugely small. that's yeah, a fucking it's, like it's understatement. So right there. Yeah. Really? Um, I mean, the guy won the European Ola Trophy, which is, um, I give him my first point for. He's a freak. <laughs> He's a freaking incredible pilot. No, it, and that's a, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Aaron, about the snap roll. Do you think it's the, it's the placement of the wing on the fuselage? Like what 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 makes it? It could be, or it could go back to that accelerated stall that the SC has, because the MX can take a corner and the SC can't. You know, right. the SC departs immediately and goes in that out of rotation. The MX, it's you almost need a like much a nose higher. Yeah, it 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 either takes and. I went to one of the team camps because I, I, I too wanted to be like Jeff and be a fluffer. And so I tried to be, uh, I, I attended a couple of the camps as the warm up pilot. I remember we, you and I were talking about this when that happened. I remember that. And, and I was using one of Gifford's SCs, which was, again, I, I can't thank that guy enough for all he's done for me to help me in this sport. But as we were training, I was struggling with some things on the outside snap. And I remember Holland walked over to me and just real magnanimous and said, Hey, you just got to get 15 degrees angle of attack and then hit the rudder and go just 15 degrees angle of attack, hit the rudder and go. And then he was coaching about, you know, stick position and things. And that's great. Yeah, Rob's incredible. And, He's a really good and, coach. And, and he was right on it. But then I was watching like when Gifford would have a snap light up or when Burke would have a snap light up. And then I would watch and Rob, you know, it goes without saying, but I don't know. It's like that wing doesn't really release. It's almost like a high-speed barrel roll. I hate to say that. It need it needs to be damn near on autopilot. You can't be ment- wasting your mental faculties on the numbers. You need to be thinking about positioning and fighting the wind and adjusting position in the box. You don't need to be thinking about how do I make a snap happen. And 
you're right. It does need to be by feel for lack of a better term. It absolutely does. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, you know, with Rob for him to go from, you know, when he had his accident to go from the MXS back to an MX2 for a while, then back to a MXS for him with his experience with that type and that airfoil. Okay. He can go back and forth a couple of flights to bust the cobwebs out and get used to it. And then he's good to go. Um, you know, that's great. You know, if you do something like me going from a panzel to an extra, there's enough difference. There's a lot of differences. So yeah, I'll spend quite a few flights working through things that I should already know. So pop quiz. Yeah. 95 to 2000 era favorite aerobatic competitor unlimited go. 95 to 2000. I got to go with, um, well, I got to go with Linda. No, no. She, she got a 96. Yeah. Oh yes, yep. that counts. She got out ninety six. She was in Page Field. She flew. I gotta go oh, with Linda Myers Morrissey or Linda Myers at the time. Now Linda Myers Morrissey. Just suck up. Uh, <laughs> I'll be a teacher's pet. That's fine. But face the facts. You know, in the U.S., because you talked about what the judges like to see, and Mark talked about this minuscule difference in the U.S. You know, and granted, not to denigrate anybody, but Patty had a really good run of wins going. Good for her. And you had the emergence of Kirby, who was fantastic. But then you go to the Worlds, and Linda's outscoring all of them. And I made a comment to Linda the other day. I sent her a picture of one of the unknowns we did. I said, when are and I made the comment. I said, okay, Aunt Linda, look at this. I should be proud. I didn't die doing this, just being a smartass. And um, I said, but I did take two outs, but no zeros. And she wrote back. She says, yeah. You know, I was vice world champion because of one out once. So we need to work on that. <laughs> I, 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 felt, I felt really small for a second there. It's like, damn. But that's the margins you're playing to. So believe you know, it right? or not, believe it or not, Mark and I have some listeners. Um, we have some diehard listeners, actually. And one six of them is awesome. <laughs> all six of them. One of them is Alex Huey. Um, hey, I, hey. Shout out to Alex, dude. Animal. Hey, man. Love you, totally brother. love watching him. I would hate to compete against him because... I would whoop, whoop everybody's ass. I love how he flies that. What is it? Oh, it's, it's so crazy. It's a laser he calls it the ding bad. It is a laser. Yeah, but it's a laser converted to a low wing. Yeah. That's what's really cool. So it's we not really a mid wing laser, it. it's a low wing laser. Anyway, but, so he um he's you know, fucking around with some freestyle stuff. Um, Aaron, what what kind of advice in designing a freestyle? Obviously, like you, me, you know, Mark's work Mark's work with some coaches. Um, you know, Aaron, I'm sure you're available for coaching. There's a lot of coaches out there post on aerobatic pilots and somebody will help you out, but without getting into detail, um, going into freestyle design. Yeah. Intermediate obviously is the entry stage. Well, sports when you can do some freestyle design, but what are some bullet points in designing a freestyle sequence that you would like when you meet a first time student or somebody like that? What would you like first start talking to them with about? You know, the big thing is, and I, I can't impress this enough on somebody. And actually DJ Molney, who had been a judge trainer for a while, said this. He said, this is your free. It's got to be something you like. So part of that goes into you don't throw in figures because you think it's going to impress anybody. Throw in figures you like. If you like them, you probably do them well. Um and yeah, there's going to be opinions and you're going to put it in front of 10 judges and two of the judges are going to give you a seven and two of the judges are going to give you a 10 and the rest are going to be somewhere in the middle. But the reality is it's your free. It's got to be your figures. Um, and then as far as getting into the mechanics of it, you know, 
um, on level lines and 45s, avoid the four points and or the points of a four point roll, the points of an eight point roll, because you know those are real subjective. Um, and try and get as many straight lines and limit the you know try and get the verticals and limit the 45s if you can, and try and get the looper ADI into the wind. I mean, it, and, and all this goes into real simple things because every figure's got to be somewhere in the box or somewhere relative to the wind where it will score better, where it will present its best self. And there's intricate detail that can go on forever and ever. And, you know, it, it, it again, that's where you got to work on it case by case. But everybody wants to make it something it's not. We had a guy showed up at the Michigan Open a few years ago and he had a pits and he was flying intermediate free and he had tail slides and he had snaps from advanced in it because he was going to try and impress the judges. The deal was he was working his butt off and he was struggling with energy management and it didn't impress any judges. It just gave us more stuff to rip apart. And then the guy that actually won it had a free that had, he was good at Humpties and he had pull top, push top. He had one with a push out. He had a double bump and he just had Humpty, 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 as many as he could get in there, got the required diversity. And this dude just cleaned house because he was really good at each of those maneuvers and he put them <laughs> in the spot. They like said it, it, it's about doing what you do well, not doing what you yeah. think will give wow factor. So Yeah. But and like I said, that that's a whole rabbit hole to go down. That's worse than the whole IAC. Which way should we go? Thing is, hey, which way should we design a freestyle? Oof, that goes sure. wrong. Yeah, but it, uh, it seems to be the most dynamic element to competition flying is freestyle development and flying and and yeah, and curating a freestyle. Yeah, and Can, you know, I've had coaches say never use a hole or a three quarter loop. That's just suicide. You can't get the radius right. And then uh, Marty Florno, who's on the advanced team, he flew a pretty lights out free and he had a full loop and a P loop in it, a three quarter loop. And I, I remember looking at the car, judging it saying, Oh, here we go. And he flew him. Well, you got to give him points. He nailed it. So yeah. Okay. So you never know. Can we just, have a, we got to wrap up soon because it's 12 AM in New York, but I, we got to touch upon this Luke Penner thing. I mean, <laughs> God damn it. Who the fuck, real problem. Who the hell? You got a fixation on it. I love it. It's how, who would ruin my dreams and give this guy <laughs> and give this guy the keys to an SC? What an asshole. <laughs> Christian, I hope you're listening, buddy. I've never met you in person, but I love you. This is great. What a dick. Oh, this is a really nice guy. I liked Christian at first. I mean, I never met him, but he started liking some of my photos. I like some of his photos. I'm like, cool. He's an SC owner. I'm an SC owner. Like, let's let's be friends, let's man. Let's begin. Yeah, Hell let's yeah. do this. And he goes and gives Luke the key. That's like, oh my god, that's like giving the basketball to LeBron. Like, how dare you? Well, I I told Luke when we were talking about this little outing. I told Luke straight up. I said, man. I said, I'm going to give you advice. Don't fly it because the minute you do fly it and you realize what it can do over your head, it's going to cost you L, a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, there goes a half a million out the window. You're you're done. And those, yeah, he, don't say that figure. My wife would be listening to that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Two hundred and twenty thousand. One hundred eighty-five thousand. One hundred one hundred and seventy thousand. Nikki, that's all I swear. Yeah. But uh, anyways, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there it goes. I'm excited to see what Luke does, man. Like he, I. I so talking I'm about excited. how uh, I am fearful. I'm well, literally upset about this whole situation. I'm the only person who's like. No, no, this is not acceptable. Does nobody else see what's going on here? This is, yeah. this is terrible. This is a terrible idea this. to give him the keys to this. I gotta point this out.
is in Pollard's court here. And and Mark, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you really want to master your craft, what do you do? You teach it, right? Yep. Because then you have to clearly communicate. So look what Luke does all day long. He teaches aerobatic. So he's got these fundamentals down. So for him getting in that airplane, his mind is already fast. He's got all the mechanics down. Well, shit. I mean, that that's going to take him no Mark, time at all to get used to that thing. Mark, this is like yeah. introducing him to Todd at Lyft. Like, say goodbye to your Lyft sponsorship. <laughs> I'm the new right. Lyft sponsor now, bitch. So since, since Luke can't talk back, and, and I, I'm going to have everybody do a deep dive into Facebook here. Did anybody else on this podcast see the picture Luke posted, the memory throwback of him with the long black hair spiked up in a grunge band? No. I think but I, did, I think I did see that. Yeah. Do I need to make a video of it? <laughs> well, I, I saw it was a still frame photo, but I think a video needs to be done. Oh my apparently, god. Apparently Oh, do tell apparently while I mild look it up. mannered Luke. You, yeah, well apparently mild mannered Luke Luke used to be like a real rocker here. So um And where was yeah. it supposed they, to they, they were called the, the, Adam now? They were called, let yeah. me ask you guys this. We talked about S one assassins. Yes. I put Luke in the top three camp of 300 L assassins right now. I Who put else it, do we I fill the top one. spot? Yeah. yeah, I do too. No, I do too. That, he's the only one in my top three, so he's obviously the first. So who right now with a three, a, specifically a 300 L, which I will remind you is barely unlimited capable according to a chart we have seen. <laughs> Said chart. <laughs> um, who was that chart submitted by, Mark? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. We're you know. gonna we're going we're gonna break bad, Luke. You get an RV eight. Good luck. Anyways, yep, yep. Back to that. Um, no, he he can he can fly it. the three. He makes the three hundred L look like a more capable airplane than it is. I mean, he really yes, he does. flies that thing freaking well. He understands precision so and he's got energy annoying. management nailed. I mean, he yeah. has got that energy management thing down so good. I'm looking at a, at his Facebook and he's even got a picture with Walter Extra. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? He's trying to plant that seat and he's trying to get the equivalent of Lyft sponsorship. Yeah, he's he's right. this guy, dude. You're just he's mad because he outthought you, Petro. And he's Come fucking on. handsome. Oh, he's got yeah. hair. God damn it. Should we I, if he made a t shirt, I would. Yes. That's a limb. What the yes. hell? Yes. Immediately. And just not let him have a voice. <laughs> Absolutely. As the voice now, of his coach, gonna, I say no. I say keep him going. Let's see where this stops. I we're gonna it. we're gonna get him on the Raise podcast. Him. And then I we'll hate, cancel him. I hate people like <laughs> I hate people like Luke. Well, not really, but like you know, like I hate people in Florida because they can fly you around. And then I look at myself and I'm like, I can't fly you around. This is bullshit. And then I look at Luke and the guy's living in sub zero temperatures and still flying. And I just look at myself and I'm like he, he flies <laughs> in like minus fifty where like maple syrup freezes. <laughs> He's like overflying the shows like that are on the History Channel that are like Survivor. If you could survive in this wilderness for a month, you'll win a million dollars. And then there's Luke with his extra three hundred dollars, just doing like vertical outside flicks. Like, oh, no big deal. This is I got my shorts on. No big deal. Wearing shorts, yeah. What a dick. Yeah, you know. What a dick. Yeah. What a dick. Oh, up there, you're born with a hockey stick and you're baptized in a polar bear plunge. I mean, that's just how they do it up north. I mean, hey. Yep. I guess yep. so. I mean, I'm looking at his Facebook. He's got some hotties that he's given some rides to. I mean, <laughs> some brunettes here, some blonde. I mean, Luke, if you're looking he's for a hottie, Luke is a hottie. I mean, he's Canada hot for sure. 
Canada, Canada hot. <laughs> uh. And see, the thing, the thing that kills me is I just got to go back to this. So he is the epitome of Canada nice. I mean, he really is. He's just so damn polite and so friendly. And uh, so, anyways, he's a great so guy to talk to. Yeah. He is. You can talk to him about anything. So, <laughs> since now I'm, I'm going to shift the narrative. We're going to flip the script here. And Pollard, you probably haven't heard this. Jeff, he's going to go down a bad memory trip. All right. So we got to jump back to Eastern Europe here just a couple of years ago. So everybody seemed to think Aaron was going to be this little naive country boy that was going to just get totally swallowed up by all that oh, Europe had to story. offer. And well, everybody's like, oh, yeah, time you out, time out. Tell the story. This is a good story. And all of our this listeners. This is a good story. I was the responsible teammate that decided to get some rest because I had to fly the next day. However. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were in one of these situations where everybody's gonna have a few drinks. Anyway, so off to the bar go everybody. Now everyone was just so sure that my gullibility was gonna get me just eaten alive over there. And I wake up to my phone going nuts and it's just text after text after text. And god dang what it. Time so is that? I this is like midnight one, two, something like Romanian that. I mean, it's, time, right? Yeah, in Romania. <laughs> That's and the, it's just one after jail cell. <laughs> And, and here, here's a picture of Petroselli looking pissed with two cops standing next to him in the dark in the middle of town somewhere. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then the next picture is Matt Dunphy on the team. And Matt is sitting at a computer with Google Translate on his phone trying to fill out a police report. <laughs> and then it's AJ's busting both their balls about, God damn it, they cut off my drink because Petro was a dumbass. I'm like, wait, 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 what? So apparently, as they're leaving the hotel, no Petro being the big city boy, yeah, yeah, Petro being the big <laughs> city boy, he veers away from the crowd of the rest of the Americans because he forgot something and got surrounded by gypsies and they fleeced his damn pockets, took his phone and everything and just pff, gone. So basically, the gypsies wanted to play grab ass. And um, so and we were walking. It was me, AJ, Johnny, Dunphy, and uh, that might have been it. But we were walking just... I don't know, get some food. It wasn't too late, like 10, 30, 11. And these like Romanians were like, hey, you Americans. And I'm like, I already had like two beers. I wasn't flying the next day. So I was like, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, you, you are the best. You're welcome to the country, blah, blah, blah. So like they start like grab assing. So I'm like, I'll fucking grab ass with you. I don't give a shit. So I start grab assing. <laughs> so assing with them. And it's all fun and games, right? And, um, Anyway, like 10 seconds later, so I start walking away and then like I go to reach for my phone because it's just like an addictive substance at this point, you know, the iPhones. And I'm like, you know, it's stereotypical like movie scene where you like you start feeling all your pockets. And you're like, my phone, my phone is gone. <laughs> and they were like, oh, my God, turn back and they're like nowhere to be found running around Romania, banging on doors, trying to find this New Yorker's cell phone. Who's the last one to get pickpocketed? <laughs> Petro's oh got his iPad out. He's doing the Find My app, trying to find it. They're trying to track this damn thing. And pretty soon the cabbie stops and says, no, no, we're not going there. Gypsies, you're going to die. It's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And the cops had to come take him to a police report. Oh, dude. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy it was, shit. It was the best That's trip. That's brutal. It was the best trip of my life. It <laughs> <laughs> was right when the iPhone X first came out, too. And I was like really jealous. I'm like, God damn, that thing looks great. So oh, we dude, spent the rest of the yeah, and so the rest of the visit, the rest of the time over there, it's like, oh shit, we need to coordinate. Hey Jeff, call Nick. Oh, that's right, you can't. You can't. <laughs> Anyways, we just threw it out the rest of the week. It was great. It was crazy. So, they threw a they threw a damn good contest, man. 
They threw a yeah, dang good contest. Mark, honestly, without a hiccup. There was no hiccups. Yeah. Like really? Not, no, literally. There was not one problem. Like there was like pilot induced stuff where there was an error with like a Sukhoi 31 where the guy didn't pull the ejection pin, whatever bullshit. But like contest CDs type stuff, organization, management. With flow was awesome. With flawless. Yeah. Wow. Flawless. And that airfield was perfect for it. And the climate right there. We barely had any wind all week. We had that one rain event came through for a couple hours. And the best I mean, part of the trip, you ever Aaron, Mark, do you ever you guys ever see Euro trip? Yeah. So you know when they like I think it's like three quarters of the way through the film, they go into this hotel and like it's in the you know, Eastern Europe or whatever, and they're in like the presidential suite and they they like flick a nickel or a dime to them. And the guy's like, I'm going to retire. And you know, cause the, yeah. uh, the, what do you call it? The denomination exchange or, rates, exchange horrible, rates yeah. horrible. Right. You follow me Mark? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So my first experience in Romania, we all, we're all at dinner. I'll remember this for the rest of my life. There's eight team members, me, Nikolai, that's 10. And maybe like, Oh, uh, Chris Rudd and Ray, that's 10 mechanics. And yeah, by the way, uh, yeah. Chris Rudd and Ray, thank you so much if you're listening. You guys are incredible. Oh. Um, so whatever. So we're like 12 people, whatever. We all have dinner, you know, entree. And it wasn't shit food. It was like, you know, just good entree type food, like chicken parmesan. Um, I don't know. Aaron, what'd you get? Oh, shit. I think we had, uh, we did what those uh, 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 margarita pizzas or yeah. pizza margarita, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, it, shit was good. So, dude, there was 12 people. We ate like pigs, drank, you know. A lot. So the bill All came. Day. And I remember I tried to grab the first tab, but I think Johnny Wacker grabbed the bill the first night. It was like $100. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing. Dude, oh it's like god. I'm looking at the exchange, like holy I'm shit, because I, I picked up one night and I was just like astonished, like oh my god, fucking five hundred lay. I'm not exact, Aaron. I'm not exaggerating. This is not. No, a, you're I'm not. not exaggerating at all. Yeah. How do you even get the food here for that much? Yeah, exactly. And um, that first night out, we went to that little upclass place while the other planes were working their way across Europe, and I picked up that tab. Uh, before everybody all got there and shit, what was that? I mean, it was like 500 lay, which broke out to be like 125 bucks. And I mean, it was like really high end gourmet yeah. stuff. I mean, it, it was great. It was, yeah, that's, a, that's what I'm kind of excited to get another one of these trips in one of these days. And so, uh, like I said, Jeff, I'm really hoping they pull it through for you. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm really hoping they pull it through for you for uh whack this summer. Um, we're wrapping oh, up, shit. but I wanted to ask you to talk to Mark because Mark is an incredible aerobatic pilot. I've seen this film that he oh, sent me. Oh, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Dude. I've, I've seen the footage. He's definitely. It's too late. It's too late in the evening to get this insulted at your freaking horseshit. So what if, if you can describe, like if you can have a, if you can have a crystal ball, Aaron, yeah. and you can imagine Mark at his first contest, what would be. Like, what would be the first sentence? Like, what would you describe it as? Like, to get him Mark, to, not to get his, him to go, but like, just to, like to get future listener, like listeners out there that haven't been to a concert. Like, what, how would you describe it? You know, I, I got to be honest to describe it to anyone out there. You know, there we, we talked about a lot of things, especially tonight, that are subpar or less than ideal. 
it still is a good sport. It still is a lot yeah. of fun. And the sportsmanship aspect of it is amazing. I mean, there's always a couple horse asses somewhere in the group, but by and large, this is great. Have you my met, very have you, first it's a really important topic. Not to cut you yeah. off. But have you met no. your best friends in life through IAC? Yes, by far. I mean, a hundred times over. It, it the people I'm closest to I've met through this organization. We have nothing else in common but this. Yeah. It's the damnedest thing. And um you know, the first contest I went to, I'm, you know, big primary pilot at my first contest. I learned to land this pit six months ago, and now here I am. There's a lot of people who have done that. I found myself at the banquet sitting at the table with like three or four unlimited pilots. And they're sitting there going between the four of them discussing how to handle the unknown the next day. And I'm part of the conversation. I have no idea what they're talking about. And I was welcome there. And you know, I, I got to record for one of these people I looked up to and I, it just, the, there is a very welcoming aspect of it. And yeah, we always kind of focus on the bad and that's kind of, unfortunately how we go in this country, there's a bigger narrative, but the, there are such amazing people that are so welcoming and I such I don't agree cool with sportsmen. That. I don't agree with that. I don't think we really, I think that we reference the bad, but I think that, I think that talking about the people we meet and the experiences that we have are, um, definitely outweighing the, the negative and, and then well, ab- the negative. Absolutely. Or, I'm kind of circling that. I'm yeah. kind of circling that awkwardly, but it's absolutely the truth. You know, it, it, that we always talk about the bad, you know, first, we always lead with that. If it bleeds, it leads, which unfortunately is bad news, but you know, you're talking one or two people out of a, you know, chapter or a region with, you know, several hundred. Yeah. And like I said, I've had, especially at the regional contest, I've had very few experiences where I'd say weren't positive. Um, it, it's just a lot of fun. It's a good group. And if you can get over yourself, say I'm competing against myself and forget the leaderboard, you can relax, have fun. You'll do better and enjoy the environment. And that's what my head kind of started blowing up over at the world's, but even at the world level, that was still like a big regional contest, just with really cool accents. Yeah. You know, and we connected super well. I'm still in contact with a lot of those people, which has been amazing. And I'm sure some of them are listening to this. So hey to all. But it is an amazing experience. So oh, what's, yeah. what's the deal, Mark? Are you gonna, what's the next competition? That, you haven't sent me any videos, the critique, and you were doing really well. And then you're like, fuck Joe. Fuck this shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Honestly? Was I too um, hard on you? I, was, I feel like I was positive no. reinforcement. I, dude, I love it. No, I on, honestly, I got in my head and I'm like, this is uh, like, what, why am I doing? I, I come to this every single time. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? You know, I have a wife at home, two kids at home. I have a career. I already don't care about competing. Why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then I get into this rut where I'm like, like, I haven't even felt like flying. I don't know. We're going, we're going through a lot of, like, we're, like I said, we put our house on the market. We just accepted an offer. We we just put an offer on another house. Like life is fucking insane right now. And I I haven't wanted to do anything. Once I get, once I get the house shit settled and then these kids get back into some sort of school, I'll feel so much better about dedicating to the time. How much would you miss them if you put them up for adoption? Honestly. Do you want a one out of 10 scale or like, like, would you rather have shaved Italian ice or your kids? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a little, little range mm-hmm. there. You know, 
it's not a definite kids, but it's probably the kid. Like I'd have to, I'd think about it, then choose the kids. Right. I'm not 99% sure. I'm not 100%. <laughs> That's what you're missing. Mark, you got to fly with somebody with some ability. That's your problem. Dude, I never have. You're too good for your airplane. That's, that's your problem. No, that is not that. First of all, that is that is a gross. Well, who's in your area? Of, who's in your area? Like within a hundred mile radius? Like who's your top aerobatic guy? Oh, I, was, I, I mean, wait, not Wayne Hanley. Uh, I mean, Dave Watson, um, Chris Combs. Um, Keep going. Trying to think who else is in the area that's top top. How far away would that's, it be? That's how, how far away would it be for AJ to fly up to you? Uh, he a, might be an out. Uh, he he might a, be. Uh, he's got a four twenty one. I mean, to hop in the front. Seat. I mean, he's in Santa Paula, so I mean, shit. Sammy and and AJ and um, God, who else is down there that I'm forgetting? Well, how long would it take you to so many people down there? there? Hour, hour and a half. Would you fly down there for like? A day camp slash overnight, or just a day camp? Yeah, you would. Yeah. All right, so let's. Yeah, but like, here's the problem: is like, this dude. This is a whole. We we actually do have to stop. This is gonna be a whole other fucking podcast because (laughs) I'm I'm gonna motivate your ass yet, Pollard. We're gonna do this mentality wise, like, or at least in my not mentality wise, but like my my thought process of when I hear camp, I'm like. I need I need somebody to sit me down and teach me. Okay, this is how you spell airplane. This is a wing. Like that's how elementary I feel like uh, competition aerobatics needs to be taught to me in a in a in a critique or or camp setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what would AJ be able to offer me? He's he's so far beyond where I am. No, I'm just talking about like getting you in the airplane, like just to experience what it's like to properly snap roll an airplane or or properly fly just to see what your airplane can actually do. Because to me, like when I flew with like some of my mentors that when I even when I had the 200, like when they did shit in that, I'm like, holy, like that's incredible. Like now, like I have a benchmark. Now I want to strive to to fly that airplane that like you've never from what you're saying, you've never seen what your airplane can even do or not no. seen, but you never experienced in the cockpit what it can do. I feel like we had a breakthrough. We had a total breakthrough with Mark and his competition. We figured out what <laughs> we did. We, we Dr. Was, filled this shit. This he worked. was going through a dry spell and we figured it out. We're technically a PhD at this point. There's, 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 there's definitely some certification in there that, yeah. Starting oh, yes. out a oh, picture yes. of my kids right now. And I'm like, you guys have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> in your life <laughs> oh that's awesome so last question it's weird i like to leave with a positive um yeah we're getting off because <laughs> i don't know mark's three hours holy away. hell mark's gotta go uh i don't know what do you gotta do mark sleep yeah get these kids to bed <laughs> do dad shit you know no i like to like tap the younger demographic i hope some of the younger demographics listening so Question for you, Aaron. Who is not somebody who's up and coming, but if I actually like, you know, give a shout out to somebody young, like who is somebody that comes to mind that hasn't been publicized by the IAC? That hasn't been publicized by the IAC. Wow. Um, you know, there's like an underground up and comer. 
Oh man, you got to hit me with a tough one here. Now I'm going to pontificate for ten minutes. Damn it! Um, no, <laughs> well, look what you set me up with. You could do like no, a, I, you could do a UND. Just don't do Liz Birch because that's that picture you did with her. It's a fucking obvious answer. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Okay, very good. No, um, you know what? I, I'm actually going to shout this out because I'm trying to maybe shame the Riddle Rats getting back into it. But like UND. They'll show up to contest with eight or ten candidates. They're respectful. They're professional. They're good help. They're good you know, volunteers at the contest. And they're all enthused to learn. Look at the U.S. Air Force Academy. You've got the same thing. Yeah. You know, Riddle used to send uh, from the Eagles Port out of Florida. They used to send a group in. We don't get that anymore. But um, that kind of involvement—that's where they're at. And yeah. I know that's kind of vague, but I have in my hangar wall. I've got pictures with every UND team since 2007. I mean, I, I've got to know all these kids and some of them have come back in the sport now. So, you know, like I said, there are, there's a lot of covers and just, I'm going to float this one out there. One of those UND kids, air quotes here, turned out to be Jeff Bourbon. Took him a few years, but you know, Jeff Bourbon is a UND alum. Who's Jeff Bourbon? So I never heard, of, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. No, <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, you, you get, you look back at this. I mean, they're, they're out there. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. Uh, Oh my gosh. All right. We're cutting that off. (laughs) Anything else for, uh, for the, uh, the podcast? Nah, man, this is great. Thanks fellas. I love you you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of fly. Cool shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 